It's great to be here with you on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Hope you had a wonderful weekend, a good Easter weekend as well. we got so much to get to. I'm getting closer to the NFL draft. Of course, we had spring games. Good to see uh, Georgia fans and, uh, and Bama fans going at one another on the uh, social media <laughs> saying, hey, this is my third string tight end, Eric Gilbert. And then they're like, well, this is our backup quarterback. And I'm like, and as Ben would say, that's a lot of swole-looking guys who haven't played yet. Yes. Uh, it's basically uh, all that means uh, at the end of the day. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Hour two, we're going to talk with uh, Buzz Sons, former Valdosta State wide receiver and McIntosh County Academy uh, wide receiver, getting ready. He's got obviously graduated from Valdosta State, getting ready for a uh, potential career after college football in the pros. So we'll talk to him about uh, that journey and won a national championship at Valdosta State, played for another one. This past season, of course, went through the COVID year. So we'll get to all that uh, with him coming up in our number two. But, Ben, it's Braves and Dodgers. It's finally here. Uh, we'll get to see Freddie Freeman in that disgusting Dodger blue uh, tonight. And I know much has been made about every little thing regarding Freddie Freeman. From, look, he could have been here. The Braves offer him a fair contract. Especially when you look at what he signed with the Dodgers. Then you have the, oh, I just sat in the corner for two and a half hours and didn't talk because I couldn't believe I wasn't going to be an Atlanta Brave. And I was like, well, bro, you had a chance to Ronald Acuna saying, me and Freddie, we, we weren't necessarily boys. He didn't dig the way I played to, you know, Dansby Swanson saying, hey, man, nobody should wear number five. I, I sit there and stare at that empty locker over there. It's like, I think this starts the closure process. I just mentioned it to PJ, Ben. I think if this was in Atlanta, it might go a little differently because obviously Freddie's going to get his ring when he comes to Atlanta. But I think it's still fresh that if this was Atlanta tonight, I think he gets maybe a 60-40 booing uh, there by Atlanta. You go ahead and play this series. You see him wearing Dodger blue and this and that. It's on the road, so you're not going to have a full. I think by the time the Dodgers come to Atlanta in July, it's like, all right, move, move, turn the page. Like, it. He's been out there. You've seen it. It's fine. Like, there's no reason to boo him. You got a World Series with Freddie. You got an MVP. What else do you want at this point? And, quite frankly, at least through, what, 11 games, worked out pretty good for both teams. Freddie Freeman's doing nice, batting 324. Matt Olson's batting 421. Seems to be working out for everybody involved. And I think the more Matt Olson continues to play well, That'll, that'll heal that wound of uh, Freddie wearing Dodger blue. I don't know if it, it, it helps. Somewhat. I mean, yeah, it helps. Matt, Matt Olsen is balling, by the way. I mean, he, this guy's been a – he's definitely been a bright spot for the Braves since – I mean, since uh, since the opening game. But Freddie Freeman – Freddie Freeman shows you what happened when you mean so much to a city, to a team, to a franchise, to an organization. It's, it is weird. It's weird watching him because he's been 12 years. Was there, was there when it was ugly with the Braves and now he got the – listen, before he left – and hopefully the Braves got the best out of him. Hopefully. We'll see. But I do agree, Kevin. It's gonna be it's gonna be a mixed bag. I mean, by the time Freddie Free do come to Atlanta, I, I think they're gonna have to give him his ring. Obviously, when he comes but to Atlanta. I mean, yeah, they, they, they don't have to, but that's what that, that's why he doesn't have it now, because it's like, hey, yeah, yeah. you're well, back I in mean, town, here you go. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think what happens now when you start it's most players that play for teams do not mean that much to that team. Like, you know. Kevin Durant goes, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, he's playing OKC. They're going to do a tribute for what he meant to the organization. People go, oh, man. like, But doesn't that seem like forever ago that he even played yeah, for OKC? Man, it, I mean, it, it really, it really, really. I mean, the fact that Kevin Durant is on his, what, you know, third team? Third team, yeah. Already. The thing about Freddie Freeman is Freddie Freeman just happens to be the best first baseman in baseball. Freddie Freeman has the MVP season. 
Freddie Freeman has a World Series. So, and Freddie Freeman has been the face of the Braves since he's been there, taking that away from Ronald Cooney Jr. in the last four years. All that being said, the Dodgers are the thorn in the Braves' side. He, that's what it really be. It's you're gonna play for the Yankees and the Red Sox. You're gonna, you're gonna do both. That's <laughs> that's what it really is. It's not so much that Freddie didn't stay. It's who he left you for. Like somebody go look, man. It's somebody saying they say Freddie can date anybody he want. Just don't date the Dodgers, man. He going to the Dodgers. That's what he's doing. So that's that's what it really is, Kevin. It's almost like the team that you just cannot get away from, no matter. Freddie Freeman is there or not? That's the team you got to see in the postseason to either go to the World Series or to advance. And I think for him to go there with everything that went down, yes, we got Matt Olson, loving Matt Olson. It's because who we pick. Listen, you wish your Freddie Freeman most, the best, like staying healthy when he's not playing the Braves. But when he's playing the Braves, I want him to have his worst outing out because the thing about it is, is we know how potent Freddie Freeman knows everybody in that pitching staff, top to bottom, even Jansen. Because he didn't win against him in the freaking right, postseason. Yeah. So he even knows him. But it's just so much respect for Freddie Freeman. Dansby, Dansby has been a, you know, Dansby understands how just great Freddie Freeman is and what he means to baseball to the Braves. Ronald Cooney is realizing right now, you don't come an icon, man. Like you just, <laughs> you just don't. Like if if I'm coming to the Braves and Freddie and uh Chipper Jones is leaving, I say something about Chipper Jones, it don't matter what Chipper did. Shh. Cause you can't win when it comes. So, so Ronald, you know I love you. Get healthy. But please stay away from talking about Freddie Free because, I mean, unless uh, outside of Ronald Acuna saying something about Freddie Free and him having a, quote, baby slump in 2021, yeah. that's about as good of a baseball player and a human being you can be. Well, I mean, I, I think from, from Ronald's hand, as you said, that's part of the uh, the learning process yeah. uh, as, a, as a player, Ben. But I think for, for Ronald Acuna in that situation, I think a lot of people could have taken that the wrong way. And I think a, a lot of people look at it and say, hey, he was asked a question. It's like, man, you really gonna miss Freddie? Eh, you know, we weren't boys. I mean, it's it's fine. Uh, he's a good, I don't think he said anything bad about yeah. him as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. It's like uh, we we want athletes to be truthful, and I think Ronald was. And I think maybe if he were to ask it over again, he'd probably he'd be truthful, <laughs> but couch his words yeah, differently. Of course. And uh, you know, I, I think in that situation, I I think he just said what everybody probably knew, but you just don't say out loud in that. Look, Ronald, there's a language barrier there. One guy's been in the league, what, seven, eight years longer than you have? Yeah, there's going to be some stylistic clashes. Guess what? Guys do not hang out with everybody on the roster. Yes. Like, you know, it's – Even 25 guys, yeah, it's, you don't it's, hang out. It's, yes. it's one of those things where you can have clubhouse chemistry, and I think – but that doesn't mean that every single person has to hang out all the time. I think you just have to have enough personality that's like, hey, I don't want to go kill that guy. We don't get along. We don't do this. We don't go hang out after the games a lot, but – I appreciate what he does. I respect you, and I'm not coming in the locker room looking at him going, man, if I have to look at his face one more time. No. So I think Ron was just articulating that. It's like, look, it's very clear in baseball clubhouses, if you have a contingent of guys who don't really speak a lot of English, and they can speak, they'll probably kind of hang out together for the most part. You know, I think people respect each other's games, but I don't think that was a big shock that, like, Freddie and Ronald didn't, like, go hang out uh, in off days. Um, you know, now, as far as calling out Freddie for, you know, hey, he didn't like the way I played, you know, that kind of stuff is like, eh, that's going to happen too. I uh, didn't probably need to be said. But, you know, I, I think uh, this is part of the, the closure process uh, for me. At least it should be for a lot of people, I think, is, look, you hate it that he left. When you're a fan, you hate when your icons leave. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to see that. Like, nobody wanted to see Joe Montana galloping around in a Chiefs jersey. Like, no, nobody wants to see that. Mm -hmm. But it happened. 
Uh, and I think you're going to see Frey for the next three nights wearing Dodger blue. I mean, Brett Favre played for the freaking Vikings. No, that's what I'm saying. But, you know but, what I'm but saying? again, but but so so now you see it. It's yeah. right there. You can get all the kind of hat tips and you know, oh, we really miss you kind of stuff out of the way now. And I think by the time again it rolls around later in the season, to me it should, it should just be over and done with. Like I, I don't wish Freddie Freeman ill will. I think he made a bad choice, obviously, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't wish him any will except for the next few nights. If he didn't have a hit, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. It wouldn't. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's boo-worthy uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but I, I think, to me, this is part of it. It's on. It's kind of a perfect scenario. It's on the road. It's in Los Angeles. It's late night. Look, watch it for what it is. Appreciate Freddie Freeman and move on. You got Matt Olson, who's doing just fine uh, in that role for you at first base. Of course. I mean, I, I think you said it the right, Kevin. I think what it is is. We, we we like storylines, whether 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 you know fake or not. We like to create storylines. We like to make up. It's like Ronald Cooney Jr. said something. We gonna look with it. What was he really trying to say? See, I told you, like if you didn't think Ronald Cooney Jr. and Freddie Freeman weren't friends before that, you ain't gonna think that even more then. But Ronald Cooney understands now. Look, man, what you say about certain things always matters, like always. And I think when you talk about a guy like Freddie Freeman. 12 years, he gave you all he had. Never, ever was a distraction. Never, ever made it about himself. Never, ever made it about the contract. But we said going into year 12, Alex Anthopoulos, dude, he coming off MVP. You need to get this done because the more you wait, it, the more the money's going to go up. But, no, Freddie Freeman done the right way. I hope that when Freddie Freeman's career comes to an end, he signs a one, two-year deal to finish it out as a Brave. I mean, he's always going to be one of those top Braves no matter how his uh, career ends up. With the Dodgers, you never want you never want anybody to have a good game against the Braves. I don't care who it is, even if it is Freddie Freeman. But I do agree, Kevin. I want to be healthy. I mean, he's a great, you know, great ambassador for the grain. Still, still, still the best first base of the game. And Matt Olson, you know, I'm I'm interested to see like if they show them going because you know Matt Olson. Look, man, I don't. He had nothing to do with exactly, it. Like, I, 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 I had nothing to do with it. I love Freddie. You know, it's like I love Freddie Freeman. Like you know, and and I think that's the thing. Like coming up as a tight end, man. I mean. If I'm playing and Tony Gonzalez is playing, I'm man, I'm I'm glued. That's freaking Tony Gonzalez out there. Or that's I never, you know, I didn't play with the time of Shannon Sharp, but that go Antonio Gates. You know, after the game, like Antonio, man, like I got to play you in practice. What? Like, yeah. It's like sometimes it's just that level of sportsmanship and respect for the other guy. Like, you know, I mean, my, I mean, you know, if I'm somewhere and Freddie Freeman's there, I'm losing my freaking mind. That's Freddie Freeman. But what? I think Matt Olson knows, like, look, I'm here to, to replace this guy, yeah. but I wasn't. It wasn't like a hostile takeover type course, situation. I'm, so it's like I'm here, and he's doing again. He's doing. He's handled, he is, I think he, he is. Balling. I think he has handled it as well as somebody pers- ever could. Look, you're coming home. You're filling in for as Ben, as you said, a legend. That's got to be some pressure to step in and say, "Hey, they gave me. I didn't even. I wasn't even breathing South Florida air, and I got an eight year extension. Come like, on, like I got traded and in the plane right over. Hadn't played. A priest, uh, one spring training practice. Oh, that's haven't the, be- that's the, the cl- best flight of his life. I'm just saying, but haven't set foot in the clubhouse, yes. and they gave me an eight-year deal. Yes. Had never seen any of my teammates. <laughs> and they're going, so you got traded for, and you got an eight-year deal, and you don't even know where your locker is yet. You got to be walking in there going, I better show I'm worth it. I better come in here showing that I, I deserve to be here. I'm a hometown kid from Atlanta. I understand what the Braves mean to people. I, obviously, he said all the right things. Like, I know what Freddie Freeman meant to this team, and you are trying to fill those shoes, and I think he has handled it beautifully, at least through two weeks, uh, and how to handle it. This ought to be an interesting series, as you said. Duh, is there a little extra, like, well, there's the guy I'm replacing standing right over there. Do I have to outduel him in this series? I hope that's not going through his mind, but he yeah. has done a tremendous he job, has. I think, of 
being the guy to replace the guy, which Ben is, we've given countless examples. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wanted to be Ron Zook following Steve Spurrier. Nobody no. want. I mean, nobody wanted to be the guy coming in following you know uh, Urban Meyer. Nobody wanted to be the guy come. Oh, they wanted to be, but it's tough coming in following Kirby Smart. I think or Kirby Smart. Uh, Martin Rick. Mark Rick. Kirby Smart handled it beautifully, and now. Whenever the day comes that yeah. Kirby Smart said, yeah. Yeah. I've had enough, uh, oh my goodness. who wants to be that guy? Oh my, yeah. Nobody. So I, I think there are times when you fill in for, for people who become just icons of their program, of their team, and you got to come in if it, like nobody really envies doing that. And I think Matt Olson through two weeks anyway and through spring training has done a nice job. We've got so much more to get to. We'll talk more about Braves and Dodgers. Uh, obviously coming up, I uh, will chat with Buzz Sons, former Valdosta State uh, wide receiver as he gets ready for the next step, the National Football League, trying to uh, get his name called during draft time. And the late ad, uh, Ben Graham Coffee, Dog Sports, will join us at 5 o'clock, and we'll talk about Georgia and the spring game. We'll get some of Ben's thoughts on that as well. Everybody getting tied in crazy there in Five Athens. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here at three and out. On this Monday, hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live as well, ESPNCoastal.com. And you can also catch us live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, Braves fans, love to hear from you. 912-342-7184. Are you excited about going up against Freddie Freeman tonight in the next three days? Love to hear from you on that. And Georgia fans, spring game over the weekend. I know it is what it is. Uh, Ben, a lot of folks read way too much into uh, spring games, but... Eric Gilbert, by all accounts, looked very good. Obviously, they ran some things uh, for him, so much so that people go, oh, man. You got Eric Gilbert. You got Brock Bowers. People are out here talking three and four tight end formations out here because Georgia's so stacked in the position. You're kind of slim at wide receiver, at least at the moment. Are people losing their minds with this? I mean, is this a problem like quarterback? Look, there's only so many tight ends you can physically put on the field before it just doesn't make sense. I mean... Could you run three tight ends if you're Georgia, knowing that two of them really aren't going to block? They're just mismatches? I mean, what say you? And I mean, You're the football guy? <laughs> Are these people just internet nuts, or is that something that Georgia can roll out? Oh, they're they, they definitely internet nuts. That, that, that's, 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 uh, that's definitely an uh, uh, accurate uh, assessment, uh, Kevin. But <laughs> this is the thing, right? What else are we going to be talking about? Like, okay, Eric Gilbert, two years ago with the LSU, freshman All-American was incredible. Obviously, he leaves, supposed to go to Florida, didn't go to Florida, ended up in Georgia, didn't play because of family stuff. Got everything going. The tight end room is depleted, right? You know, Brock Bowers, out. Darnell Washington, out. Eric Gilbert, they were going to find a way to get him in. And, I mean, he did look good. I'm not taking away. Now, you got, you got, you got, you know, you got a, you got, you got a double tight end and you got a, you know, you got a, it's called Trey, where you got three tight ends. Me, myself, Aaron Kenny, and Boscave got a chance to do it a little bit when we was in the National Football League. That's good for certain packages. You're not going up and down the field with three tight ends. You know why? Because there's a thing called a transfer portal, and these wide receivers will be dropping like fly. Like, dude, I'm not coming here to just do this again. They already, uh, you know, had to deal with the fact that you used to have to run block all the time with Kirby Smart first got there. Now, you're going to take me out? Listen, Brock Bowers is proven. Darnell Washington is the starting wide tight end, the guy with his hands on the ground. And Eric Gilbert, he's athletic. I think that the spring, it, we just want to create so many storylines. If Eric Gilbert was already on the team and he wasn't do, dealing with everything he dealt with, he caught a touchdown pass, he's in there, 
You know, he's flexing. You know, people, <laughs> and it's cool. I mean, that's a lot of frustration coming out from a young man that just wanted to get his personal life together. Never ever been about uh, what he's been away from football. Getting it together, look good. But are you going to be able to have some packages to have three guys out there? Yeah, of course you do. Is that going to be the norm? No. Because I think that when people, oh, we can have three tight ends. How long does it take, you know, a defense to figure out what you're doing? Darnell Washington, I'm sorry, he's not a passing threat. He's just not. I mean, big body, right, but not a passing threat. Eric Gilbert, look, he has to deal with a full season now. Like now, So the, you're the, falling the, in love with the athleticism is basically yes, what you're saying. I mean, and, 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 Kevin, you know just like I know. It's Georgia, right? It's going to be about, oh, my God, did you see the throw from freaking, you know, uh, you know, did you see the throw, you know, in the end zone to, to Eric Gilbert? Did you did you see, you know, and I, and I be saying to myself, I think sometimes when it comes to, uh, when it comes, I remember uh, so many years back, you know, Justin Fields, that Georgia. This boy, listen, before he even got off the field for the end, it was already up on YouTube. This is the next great. I get it. I get it. Stetson threw a nice bullet to Eric Gilbert. If you just turn the TV, it looks like it was quarterback throwing the ball to a receiver. Oh, my God. And they just started losing it. I get it. I get the hysteria, right? But let's pump our break. Because like you said, Kevin, it went from that to, oh, look at, oh, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, you know, look at Carson Beck. Oh, look at the defense. Oh, who's going to replace this guy? Oh, you just want to come out of spring healthy. I get it. Alabama and Georgia fans, let me tell y'all something. Y'all, y'all <laughs> a little bit different too, because a lot of this too is spun by social media, you know, uh, uh, disagreements. Eric Gilbert is going to work himself into the into the uh, fold. We don't even know how Eric Gilbert is even going to look in the fall because Brock and freaking Darnell aren't there. So I don't even know. Look, three tight ends is not going to be the norm in college football. We'll see what happens. He did look good. I'm not taking. Anything away from him. But, Kevin, with so many teams, because Alabama played their spring game, Ohio State played their spring It was a lot of spring games. George is going to two of who's going to be the backup quarterback. How does Eric Gilbert look? How does the defense look? And, obviously, you know, Mr. You know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mims, uh, you know, Darius Mims, he's coming back. We, which he, he, went out there, he went out there on the transfer portal circuit. He will be back at Georgia. And, again, I, I think people were talking about that. Uh, kind of under underplayed the uh... – the significance of that, because he was down there at Florida State. He yep. was looking around, and people say, "Well, he's probably not going to play because he's, you know, he's a five star." But I mean, I mean, dude, you're stuck. You're stuck behind some guys who are ballers there on the on the roster. Ultimately, decides to come back. How big is that for for Georgia? We talk about, hey, well, we might have another five star recruit yeah. coming in, but this is a guy that's been in the program, mm-hmm. in the weight room, doing his thing for at least the last two years, and. While he may not be happy sitting, mm-hmm. he's still in the program, and at some point, as you said, Ben, they'll find a way to get you on the field mm-hmm. if you can make a difference. Right? Amarius Mims, uh, he he weighed it all out. He looked around and said, "Okay, my former teammate Jermaine Johnson came down to Florida State, but he started on a defense that that didn't have that was very very lackluster. That needed a guy of his uh, of his caliber, but he also was ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Am I going to go to a depleted offensive line of Florida State? Which I've heard some reports and read some reports that said this year's offensive line might be worse than last year's. Wow. Marius Mims was saying, all right, man, the pedigree that's been built at Georgia, I understand what the culture is. I understand what they're trying to do coming off a national championship. Wow. And I don't want to I think I think he didn't want to he didn't want to he didn't like how it looked, uh, Kevin, perception wise. Oh, you're a five star. Oh, you ain't getting what you like. Coming off a national championship? You know, it's like, let me just go back and just, you know, apologize to my teammates. You know, ask them to welcome me back. Apologize to my the offensive line. Ask them to welcome me back. Because, Kevin, you know, it's like I know. 
I give you I give you two words, Jamie Newman. You don't want to play with the brand owner Georgia because you know Amarius knows this. If I go to Florida State, not only you know, not only gonna be talking to. And my coach said, they're going to go to talk to Kirby. What type of player was he before you? So I think he just waited all out and said, look, man, if if, the, if I'm not going to play, I, I, re, I at least can try to, you know, still boost my stock as being a good team. And who knows, Kevin, you know how it is. You're an injury away from being in the starting lineup. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see again. I think if they come out with a post-spring depth chart, we'll, we'll talk to uh, Graham Coffey about this coming up at the top of the, uh, the final hour. And I think to me, how does that play out? Where's Mims fit? As you said, he – he wasn't there the last little bit of spring ball. Why? Because he was out shopping around, mm-hmm. uh, saying he was going to uh, going to transfer. So where's he fit in there? Where's Carson Beck fit? Uh, if Carson Beck's not number two, mm-hmm. is there a transfer portal Ooh. upcoming there mm-hmm. uh, potentially as well? So I, I, again, I, I think this is that's an ever developing story there at uh, Georgia. I know people get tired of saying like, why do people keep talking about the quarterbacks? Well, I mean, it's uh, because there's a lot of interesting things that could happen. You yeah. can go from you could be the national championship. Uh, defending national champion uh, team out there and really be very, very thin at the quarterback spot in terms of not thin on talent, but thin on experience and bodies uh, there if Carson Beck uh, decides to leave. It's basically Stetson Bennett and you got Brock Vanden Griffith. hasn't really played a whole lot. And certainly uh, when he has played, it hasn't been anything mm-hmm. significant or meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got you know Gunnar Stockton coming in, who's obviously not played at all because he was playing high school football last year. So uh, you get real thin real quick there at the quarterback spot. Yeah, you really do. I think the thing about a guy like Stetson Bennett, he's meant so much for so long. We had like this just happened in twenty twenty one. What about twenty eighteen? I mean, I, I mean, what about twenty nineteen? What about twenty twenty? But Kevin, you're right. It's about developing that those guys behind the starters because you said it when you first first came back on. It's about depth. What ha- it's, it's a what. Every single day, I guarantee this coach go. All right, this is the what if scenario. Stetson goes down. They're gonna be like, hey, everybody just lean back. You want me to give you, the, you want me to lie to you, coach? I can lie and say we good, but we not good. Why? I mean, one guy was wasn't on campus. The other guy was a five star. The guy behind him was a five star. So, getting those guys reps, getting them quality reps, is letting them know. Look, man, Stetson is the guy, but but that number two spot is wide open. Whoever gets announced the number two, watch out because I think the number three is gonna hit the transfer portal. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. You can also uh, join us uh, streaming live on the Internet, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Draft coming up in 10 days. We've got some nice comments there about the uh, the Braves and Dodgers, which we've got coming up later tonight, 8.55, with the pregame coverage. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Oh, it's, it's, it's coming in the air tonight. It's the Braves and Dodgers. Freddie Freeman. Going up against the uh, the Atlanta Braves, we'll have it for you. Eight fifty five pregame coverage, first pitch ten ten this evening from the the West Coast. So going late into the night, and uh, then before we move on, we got a, a Facebook comment from Ben Anderson. What's the likelihood Waskar Noah goes up and tight on Freddie Freeman? I uh, I don't think that. I Me mean, personally, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I mean, I mean there's, there's I mean, no I mean, reason to do that. Yeah, I mean, it it, it sounds it sounds number one. Waskar plays for he plays for the Braves and. No, this ain't the Marlins we talking about here. But I, <laughs> I, I will say that. Look, now, does does that's the thing, right? Like, Waskar hasn't been a teammate of Freddie that long to be doing that. But that's not that that doesn't even sound like him anyway. Plus, I mean, Waskar might get that. You know, our openers have been known to to not be able to hit guys when trying to hit them. Yeah. So we don't even want to. I, I I don't like stuff like that. Like, no, it, but there, I don't there, think there's no reason. Yeah, to yeah. Ain't no, there is no bad blood, right? You don't look. 
Not left. amongst the players, anyway. No, 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 like, no, no. The players are like, look, I mean, another deal. I mean, I'm interested to see, you know, what, you know, what, what, uh, you know, Freddie, if Freddie Freeman hits a, hits a double, he's sitting out there, you know, talking to Ozzy, like, I mean, stuff like that. It's not, I, I think, I think what happens is, right, this would, I think what happens to the guy like Freddie Freeman, that's how polarizing he is. Like, we sitting there like, look, man, it's going to be fine. Like, the Braves are you the one organization. can't go from I love him to high and tight him. Yeah, yeah, the Braves are the one organization. I can't say. We don't, the, the Braves pitchers are never, from what I can remember, never really tried to hit guys. Like, like never. Now, I get it if it's some type of revenge thing. No, man, it's fine. It's cool. Get him out. You know, laugh at a little bit. Because I think, you know, like it is, once the game gets going, it's, it's business as usual. No, I, I, look, I, I, that was an interesting question for Ben because I, I know there's some fans that are like, but look, it's a business. You know, it, it's the Braves made an offer. He chose to go elsewhere. In that locker room, there's no animosity. There's depression, I think. I think certain guys like Dansby and other guys have obviously said, look, like we miss him. But in the locker room, Ben, you know this, if a guy left on a business decision, there's no animosity. You know, if you're on, on the Titans and a guy leaves and goes to, you know, the, the Colts, when you all yep. play, you're not like, hey, I'm about to knock your block off because you left us. No, no, I mean, hey, good for you. You went and made your Now, if Freddie Freeman, you know, on the heels of a World Series, did what he did and then, you know, went double middle fingers out the door and said, I hate Atlanta, you guys, you know, stink, and yeah. I'm glad to get out of that dump. Okay, maybe. Ben Anderson said, you don't think there's tension between the players and him? No, uh, I don't. No, I, I, yeah, don't. Yeah, not, I don't. Yeah, no. Not because, the players. Because, because, because my thing is this. One thing, is, one thing that's apparent in pro sports, nothing is above the business. Like, like. Me, Kevin, me, you, BJ, we all can be on the same baseball team, right? We love playing with each other. We all live in different households. Each household, our job is to do what's best for our families. Now, on that field, we're doing what's best for us and the team. Freddie Freeman won a certain number. Anthopolis in the, in the, in the, you know, in front of the group said no. And still I, made a good offer. Yeah, still made a great, great offer. I think what happens is we forget the best interest of the team is a everyday job for any organization. If you are the Braves, we're not trying to dip. So if we can't get Freddie Free, what is that? We now we, we can't get Freddie Free. We gotta get Matt Olson. Because that's the thing that they ain't giving a lot of credit for. You do, you got already the second, no worse than third best first baseman in baseball, but it's just the business. I mean, you wish guys nothing but the best because I think at the end of the day. Hugh Douglas, man, I'm telling you, Hugh Douglas needs a statue for the money and the memories because it's so true. And and look, it's because of who it is, not what he yeah. did. It's because it's Freddie Free. Because people do this but, all but, the time. But, I think, but, but to Ben's question, though, I don't think there's any tension amongst the players because when it happened, everybody was kind of shocked. Like, man, I can't believe he's actually gone. And so I don't think – like, it's one thing if it's uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on uh, the, the cat that hit, you know uh, – Acuna like three or four times. Oh, you talking about the freaking pitcher yeah, for the Marlins? Yeah, he's not with them anymore. But you know, I I, I think that's that's, di- that's, that's, that's different because you're you know you're impacted. This is a personal move. It stinks. I get it. Um, uh, he said just going bad. No, but look, even Acuna's comments, I don't think were. I don't think to to, to address not you Ben, but Ben Anderson who brings that to us uh, based off of Acuna's comments were based on somebody asked, "Hey, are you sad to see Freddie go?" And I think that was a question asked to him based on how Dansby and some of the other guys reacted. Like, man, I was looking at that empty locker over there, and it's like, it hurts that he's not here. And, and Acuna, we talked about this earlier, Ben, Acuna simply said what was truthfully on his mind. Like, yeah, when I first came up, he kind of didn't like the way I played. And so, you know, it is what it is. 
Uh, they weren't friends. I don't think they hated each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Acuna's not there. I don't think it was a prevailing sentiment, uh, you know, that did did Freddie Freeman, was he? And, again, you got to remember the organization's uh, and the way baseball has changed in the last couple of years, the organization that Freddie Freeman came up with was the the tail end of the Bobby Cox era, the Chipper Jones era, where outside of the Yankees, who, you know, make you shave the mustache and all that, the Atlanta Braves were largely known as, hey, we're the most buttoned-up professional clubhouse you're going to come to. Like, you just didn't have a lot of – it wasn't a whole lot of – there was a lot of uh, old-school uh, – we're going to play baseball the right way kind of stuff, yeah. which is why I think when you know Brian McCann was there, you saw them yelling at uh, Carlos Gomez for, for pimping a home run and watch it. And that's just kind of the way the Braves clubhouse culture was cultivated. And then you got some of the young guys, and I'm not saying that this wasn't warranted, by the way. You have some of the young guys coming in, Acuna, Albies, who said, look, we can still respect the game yep. and have a little fun in this course, clubhouse, and it's not going to ruin the vibe we <laughs> Absolutely. have. And so I think that's more – of where Acuna was coming from. Look, Ray didn't like the way that some of us played the game. We respected the game. And I think there's times where you could go to pull Ronald aside and say, hey, maybe that, you know, when he wasn't running out balls and stuff like that, say, hey, that's not what we do here. And you you, you let it go and you move on. And I think from from that standpoint, I think Acuna was simply like, in his way of saying it, at least I'm going to interpret it, I'm not, is like, look, we're just different people. Okay, he's raised Freddie. I'm wrong. He wants to play the game his way. I want to approach the game my way. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't exactly the same way. Doesn't mean they didn't get along. I never saw them avoid each other after yeah. each one of them hit a home run or something good happened. They were teammates. They knew how to do it. I don't think that's – I'm not making this out to be a bad blood thing. No, and it's even, not. And it's even not. if it was – even if Acuna, like, hated Freddie Freeman, the rest of that roster – the way they talked was, look, man, he's the fa- he was the face of the he team. Was. Like he was. you don't just lose that guy, no. and and everybody's like, and that's, yep, and, that's and, good. and that's sports too. Like 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 the thing about Ron Lacuna, like I played I played I played sports football a long time. I wasn't I wasn't the most loved teammate of all my teammates. I, I had teammates I ain't like. I know I had teammates that didn't like me. We look at sports. Sports is like a family. Do you like everybody in your family? No, <laughs> but at the same time, there's some people that didn't even want to get together for it, Easter it, lunch. Exactly. Yesterday. But listen, think about this: you ever walked into a family reunion or a family gathering and you see somebody going, "Who let him in?" He's saying the same. How he get here? It happens, right? But I think the one thing Ronald Cooney Jr. didn't understand: while you are the phenom, that was the face. While you are the future, that was the present. So, and, and, but bad bud to me doesn't have to be orchestrated through the media. You can see it. There are certain players. Bumgarner, Yasiel, they don't like each other. Everybody, it was well documented. Yankees, uh, you know, Red Sox, don't like each other. It's certain things that's already built in. Freddie Freeman and the Braves, come on. That's, no. I, I will mean, be very surprised if I, anything I would, like that happens. And certainly if it does, it's, I I don't think it's going to be on purpose. I mean, because usually if that happens, it comes from the manager. Yeah. And I don't think Brian Snicker's going to tell no. anybody to go after Freddie Freeman like that. If they're going to go after anybody, it better be the Marlins. If, it's, yeah, if they yeah, gotta but, do it, but I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't see Brian Snicker being that. Nah. The way he spoke about Freddie Freeman, uh, he what, the twelfth, the twelfth game in the season is going to be yeah. a brawl. Yeah, for yeah when all. they when they found out he was <laughs> traded, like they they told they told Snicker who was in holding a press conference at the time, they're like, hey, by the way, Freeman's not coming back. You got Matt Olson, and he just kind of stood there for a minute. It was like, well, there you go. So yeah. I, 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 I don't think it certainly wouldn't be coming from the top. 
If he's going to get you know plunked in this series, it would have to be by a guy who had something to 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 hold against Freddie Freeman, and I don't know what that would be or who that would be. I mean, my God, everybody on the team for the most part just went to a World Series and won, and he was a big reason because of that. So I don't know why there would be any any reason to do that. I think it's more to me. This is uh, to address Ben Anderson's question. To me, and I said this earlier. This is the cathartic series for the fans. Mm-hmm. This is the grieving process. First, you're mad, which everybody was. Why isn't he coming back? Then you're depressed. Then you got your little grief. And then you start the healing process to get over. I think that's what this is. Look, he's in Dodger Blue. You get to see it for yourself. He's not going to, you know, hopefully he doesn't hit any game winning home runs. That might delay the process. But I think, to me, this is the part of the closure process. He's there. He's not coming back. You got Matt Olson. I hope both first basemen do do well. Hope Matt Olson does better in this yep. series. But I think that's part of that's who we had. He's gone. Let's appreciate who we have now in, in Matt Olson and, and all move forward. Wish you nothing but the best, Freddie. And and we're ready to get back home after the series is over. I, I I think that's how the Braves are approaching it. I don't think the players in the clubhouse were anywhere remotely close to his peed, uh, you know, PO'd about Freddie not coming back as the fan base was. I, not even close. Oh, no, man, no, no, said, not, it, 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 it comes down to, you know, a, a business decision. Yeah. And obviously they were some of them were friends and, and, and closer than others. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, they tried. Alex Anthopoulos doesn't owe Dansby Swanson an explanation. Alex Anthopoulos doesn't owe Ozzy Albies an explanation. He looks at those guys and says, fellas, it's my duty to make the team better. Yep. Which, which, and I, which he I, has. I, he could say, look. We made an offer. What if Freddie said no and Matt Olson got traded to the Yankees? What are we going to do then? Mm. We don't have a major league first ready first baseman in the organization right now. So I think Alex Anthopoulos had to do what he had to do. I think deep down the players understand it. They don't have to like it. They're upset that Freddie's gone, but I don't think there's any bad blood prevailing through nah, the locker room about nah. Freddie Freeman being with the Dodgers. No, and, and I think you make a good point, Kevin, when you start talking. It's, it's the fans. You know, we we get this going about everything. Sure, I mean, yeah, just, sure. Not just Freddie Freeman, but the lineup. The you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, who's coming out the bullpen? What may have you? But no, I, I I just think sometimes things are overblown because of who it is. Freddie Freeman meant so much to so many, not just to the Braves organization, but people got used to him. Twelve years, man. Twelve years is a long time for anything. Twelve years is a long time at a job, let alone for, for you know uh, MLB franchise. But look, I get it. Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman were not the best. Why? Because Freddie Freeman knew that's the future face. Even if I'm the current face, Isaiah Albee stepped in and said, "Look, let us let us young boys do our young thing, and I'll make sure that we ain't quote while we being us, we aren't affecting the integrity of the game." I I can understand. They always say this: the older you get, the more you become your dad and grandfather when it comes to these games. At so, some point, Ozzy Albies or uh, oh, Ronald Cunha, oh, yeah. Cunha will turn around and go, "What are these young kids doing out listen, here?" Listen, listen, my listen, my kids. One time, you know, you say you're not going to, but then you do. My kids. One time, you know, they blaring the music. And I said, "Turn that music down." And as soon as I said, I go, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I turned it to my dad. It happens to us all, people. It happens to us all. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it tonight. And uh, yeah. again, we'll see Freddie Freeman, unfortunately, in Dodger blue, but. Again, I think that's part of it. No, I gotta ha- ask you this, okay, before we yeah. go. Would you wear a Freddie Freeman Dodger blue jersey? No. <laughs> I would no and look uh, because look, I, I'm weird. Like I know people say this in this in this day and age. I'm, I'm look, I I am I'm just saying being, being for real. Where people now, I think you see it in the NFL and and the NBA and certain sports where people are like, I'm a I'm a fan of the players. I'm a fan of the players, but I'm a fan of the team first. So as, as, yeah. you know, 
Uh, Freddie Freeman's on the Dodgers now. I don't want a Freddie Freeman Dodgers jersey. I'll take a Matt Olson jersey. I'll take a, you know, whatever. But so, like, I, I just look at it that way. I'm a fan of the team first. If you happen to play on my team, like, I could not stand Bryce Harper. If Bryce Harper is standing out in right field tonight for the Atlanta Braves, love you, Bryce. Give me that number three. Exactly. I like this. Well, I can't wear number three because exactly. Dale Murphy had that. He'll have to pick another one. But look, if Bryce Harper's out there, love Bryce. Well, he gets a little crazy. Oh, I love him now. He's on my team. Of course. Uh, so I, I'm a fan of the team first, not necessarily player. I respect the players. I like certain players. But I'm sorry, I'm not toting a uh, Freddie Freeman Dodgers jersey. I wish him all the best, and I don't want him to get hurt. With it. But look, I'm Braves first, players second. There's been a lot of my favorite players that ended up on other teams, and I follow them, not getting their jersey. Nope, not doing not, it. Not, do, yeah, not getting their jersey. Nope. Sorry, Ben, when you went to Tampa, I'm not getting a troop jersey. It was Titans or nothing. I'm just kidding. And I will respect, no. and, and that's what I'm saying. See, you got different kind of fans now. You got fans that will, everywhere LeBron go, they'll, they'll yeah. get LeBron jerseys. I'm not, I'm not like that. Like, like I'm just saying, I love, if Chipper Jones, thank God he didn't. If Chipper Jones go to go to the Yankees, I look at Chipper so different. Because yeah. like, I think we expect them to become like us. We don't go to certain places, Chipper. You know that, right? Like we don't do yeah. that. So, hey, yeah, man, if, he, be, if, if Chipper Jones went to the Yankees, do not come at me with a Chipper Jones I Yankees. Hear, I don't want it. about Chipper. No, nope, nope. Don't want it. Don't don't want it. Braves are nothing at all. We've got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Monday, Kevin Ben. Glad to have you on the show. We'll hear from Graham Coffee. Uh, UGA Sports coming up, or Dog Sports, excuse me, coming up in the final hour of the program. Also, Buzz Sons will join us next hour, and we'll talk some football with the former Valdosta State wide receiver getting ready for the next step in his football career. But over the weekend, Jordan Spieth, guy's name we haven't heard from, uh, wins the RBC Heritage in a playoff over Patrick Cantlay, and kind of unconventional, like was in early, and his score uh, held up throughout the day to uh, to get him to a playoff, and then he wins in a playoff. Without his best stuff, so to speak, could not putt. He says, hey, this is the worst I've putted in a tournament, and he came away with the RBC Heritage Championship. So, Jordan Spieth, I know, Ben, we talk about guys, uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago with the Masters, hey, are we looking at uh, Scotty Scheffler as a guy that's going to go up? I asked Rich this. Or is it a guy that's got a Jordan Spieth trek where he wins a lot early and then kind of fizzles down? And we kind of said, well, Jordan did kind of fizzle down, and here he is getting a win here in 2022. It kind of, it's, 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 that, uh, it's that big name carousel, right? Uh, you know, Kevin, we always talking about Jordan Spieth was one. I remember when he first burst on, burst on the scene, he was supposed to be the next face. McElroy, you no know, Brooks Kapka, but hey, man, you're t- if, if my worst putting day, I still win a tournament, that's got to make <laughs> you feel good for the rest of the season. Yeah, that payday's not bad. And you get one of these cool. Uh, plaid jackets. You got the green jacket in Augusta, and in Hilton Head, you get the plaid jacket. How, did, how does. Ben looking plaid. Ben probably looks crazy as hell in plaid, but I will wear it. I, I really don't care. And the, and the brighter the best. I asked for, is plaid slimming? I, I, like they you, say it, they you say guys it who is. are a little round should they, wear they, plaid? They say it is, Kevin. So we might got to get us a lot of a couple of plaid oh, outfits. That gum, I need to get a whole plaid outfit. <laughs> I'll, lose, I'll lose 25 pounds overnight. Just If you're listening at home, uh, dear, Socks I'm going, going, going all plaid. It's going to make me look svelte. I don't even have to work out. We'll come back. we got work up. Take three around the corner. Buzz songs next hour. And boards three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio or leave us a comment. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.
Great to be here with you on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get here this hour. Buzz Sons going to join us coming up. Former Valdosta State wide receiver. We'll talk to him about his career and uh, what's next for him. Uh, moving forward towards hopefully the National Football League out of uh, Valdosta State. Also, Graham Coffey will join us coming up in the final hour of the show. We'll talk about uh, Georgia's spring game with uh, Graham from Dog Sports and what's next for the Georgia Bulldogs. But first, Ben, let's take three here on three and out. All right, take one, Ben. The USFL returned this week. Saturday crowds, very good. Sunday crowds. Well, a lot of people dressed up as seats. What? <laughs> I didn't think that was... I think that was that outlandish, but I mean, you know, where's your excitement level now? Now that you've actually seen what it is, <clears throat> I am still excited. <laughs> I am, I am. I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. I think sometimes we forget how hard it is to be a professional athlete. I think sometimes we forget it's only so many slots in the National Football League, right? So where does that leave the bulk of college football? I mean, what G five, P five, NAIA, uh, Ivy League, Division three, Division, and so on and so forth. The USFL at one point was competing with the NFL. Obviously, the NFL is what it is now. Birmingham is obviously going to sell the most tickets because it's it's in Birmingham. But I see Coach Larry Fedora, Todd Haley, Jeff Fisher, you know, and so on and so forth. I'm seeing guys like Dalvin Bellamy, you know, former uh, you know former Georgia uh, defensive lineman out there just terrorizing. I'm happy for the guys because it's still quality football. I think too often at times we act as if every single NFL game is quality. It is not. We've just grown to accept that this is the best of the best. Very, very, still very, very excited about the USFL. It's going to take, you know, it's going to take a full season to get everybody on board. They're going to have to find a way to entice some of these opposing fans who show up to the games. I mean, you can't just have fully empty stands, but you play so many games. Listen, th- I mean, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you got a lot of games being played, but I was very, very impressed with it, Kevin. I think uh, having the kickoff start 10, 10 yards back to make it so that there are no touchbacks, start, you know, if you want to go for a three-point conversion. Um, something about where if you do a pass to where, you know, you could do like two, four passes, some, some kind of crazy rule. They got with that, but I was impressed, man. I think I think sometimes uh, because I'm quote one of the ones that made it to the National Football League, I don't respect everybody that's strapped on a helmet. Hey, man, one weekend in, we'll see what happens, man. But they better get all the clicks they can get, all the fans they can get, because the XFL people will be here quicker than you know it. Very much so. I did not get the chance to watch, but just a little bit of it. It looked like regular football. I did not see from the time I watched a lot of different things. I know oh, they're okay. oh, they, go- they hitting out there now. Make no mistake about it. You oh, got, yeah, there's that. Them yeah. safeties out there coming down here with some with some cruel intentions, but you get a lot more guys mic'd up than, than you normally would. You get like a helmet cam uh, from a running back to see what he's seeing. So, you know, it, it's, so you start saying, dude, why didn't he hit the hole? Hey, there wasn't no hole. That thing closed up. So <laughs> I, I, I I like what I saw. I think the quarterbacks are definitely going to have to uh, run the league just like the National Football League, just like college football. But for one weekend, Opening opening weekend with everything going. I think once, because you still got spring game, you still got the right. draft coming. Once all that subsides. Yeah, but I think they're hurt too by playing in one city. Yeah. Because I mean, I like, mean, if I'm in Birmingham and there's a Birmingham team, like, obviously I'm going to watch that team. Like, I don't want to go watch Pittsburgh and New Orleans. I'm you, in Birmingham. If you, if you, if you could have. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of things go into that. When you're talking about, I man, we got to cut down on traffic. We got to cut down on logistics. You couldn't have did it in a city like Atlanta. You couldn't have did it in a city like, you know. Tampa or Atlanta. you couldn't have did it in those cities, but 
Hey man, this is their model right now. They're gonna they gonna they gonna see how it works. They definitely got some big time uh, coaches. But like I said, for one weekend, I know our own Christian Gokel isn't here. Who knows what he would say? Christian, we love you. But hey man, first weekend, don't look don't look at the ratings. Don't don't look at that. But quality football, very, very good. All right, moving along. Take two. Do the Hawks bounce back tomorrow versus Miami? They were it was rough. I think Trey was he was ice. Yeah. One of 12 <laughs> shooting. Yeah. Uh, and eight points. Hawks lose 115-91. This is after, obviously, two one-and-done elimination games they had to go through, but did not show up in game one. They didn't. Give uh, Listen, listen. Uh, give Jimmy Butler and company a lot of credit. I mean, they understood what the assignment was. They got to be like, most teams say, listen, man, we're going to let Trey go off and let his role players go out there and uh, beat us. They said, no, we're going to take away We're gonna take away the heartbeat of this team. Trey makes the entire engine run. I mean, one of 12 is not going to be good for him. That's his worst. Uh, that, that, that's not only his worst playoff performance. I think that's his worst performance as a pro. So I do think he bounces back. I mean, having some film to see kind of how they're going to uh, play him on defense. Guys going to have to step up. I mean, hurting those guys going to have, you know, Bogdanovich, they're going to have to step up. Clint Capella, they, those guys are going to have to step up in game two. But give a uh, – Listen, man, give 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 coach uh, coach Prostra, you know, some some credit. I mean, people thought, you know, he is a really really good coach, man. Take people thought he was the only good coach when he had LeBron and those guys. No, he's still a really really good coach. The, I mean, the thing about this Miami team, they're gonna try to bully uh, this young Hawks team. Trey gonna have to go out there and make those adjustments. But yes, I th- I do think they get back on track in game two. They've proven a lot of people wrong thus far who didn't think they would get out of the elimination rounds, the yeah. one and dones. Uh, and made it there. I think, obviously, you have a Miami team who was sitting around waiting to see who they were going to play. Meanwhile, the Hawks were playing, you know, max effort, loser go home. And, by the way, came back from down double digits on Friday night just to get to Sunday to play that basketball game. So, I think maybe a little bit of, of you know, tired legs for the Atlanta Hawks there. We'll see. I, I think they'll bounce back in game number two. All right, Ben, take three. Are you rooting for or against Freddie Freeman in this series, I'm rooting against him. I mean, Freddie Freeman. Look, when you you you, you said it last, you said a couple of seconds ago, Kevin. I mean, look, it's no no disrespect, um, Freddie Free. I appreciate what you wear when you are brave. You have on the wrong colors. Th- that's the wrong color blue. And I say the wrong color blue, and that's real. That's real similar to the Florida Gator blue. But I gotta say, it's the Dodgers. It ain't the Braves. So sorry, Freddie Free. While I respect what you meant to this franchise, while I respect what you what you meant to baseball, the type of player you are, you have on the wrong colors, brother. So I am not rooting for you. I'm rooting again. Now, as far as like health, yes, I want you to be as healthy and strong as possible. But I want you to have the worst at best of your life. You talking about? You talking about? Because Kevin, that's sports, right? Like I think it's like you said it. Bryce Harper can go. I can't stand him. He just got traded to the Braves. Love him. Love every because. What you don't like about him when he's with another team, you and you embrace him when he's with your team. Well, the thing about the thing about Freddie Free is, well, dude, everything you are, you, it did happen with the Braves, and I just didn't think it was gonna be the Dodgers. Like that's why I said, dude, it's not gonna be the Dodgers, is it? And then time kept going on, time kept, and the next thing you know, in the, you know, in the eight o'clock hour, Freddie Free was signed with the Dodgers. I'm like this, so yes, I'm gonna be rooting against Freddie Freeman. Uh, Kevin, like I said, I can appreciate everything he's meant to these to my Bravos. I can appreciate everything he's meant to that organization. But you are not with the Bravos no more. You That's the only the reason I asked the question because I know there are some fans who are like, look, I love Freddie Freeman. I'm not going to root against him. I want the Braves to beat the Dodgers, but I don't want Freddie to have a bad series. I, I, and there are people out there that will do that. I, I can't do it. No. Nope. Can't root for him for these three games. I really don't want to root for him the other games either because he's with the Dodgers who might stand in the way of the Braves trying to repeat. But – 
I'm definitely not rooting for Freddie Freeman in this series. Would I boo him if it, no? I don't think I would do that either. But I, I'm not rooting on his yeah, success. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not, yeah I'm, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna turn it to just like a, a, a you know a Freddie Freeman basher all of a sudden. Like this is the thing about Freddie Freeman, right? Freddie Freeman, like you, okay, you got this great player. Then you look at his store, and oh, that's gonna make you root for him. Then you look at his family dynamic, oh, that's gonna make you root for him. No, man. I mean, it's Freddie Free. Listen, Freddie Free, that man, Mr. Highways himself. He always going to be Freddie Free, that man. He just not no more. He freed himself. Hang it, Freddie Free. <laughs> oh, we had something good going on. But, no, 12 years, uh, Kevin, I, once again, it's kind of like the Matty Ice, right? We act as if these people ain't been here a while, but, but time goes by so fast. And... You be like, it's like no matter what a person does, I mean, can you give us at least five more years, man? God dang, I mean, what? <laughs> so I just think that for me, I can't root for Freddie Free because I don't root for anybody that goes against my team. I'm sorry. Playing against the Falcons, gotta root, gotta root against you. Unless it's the Titans, and then I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, I don't know. I'm at I'm at a standstill. Florida, you already know what it is. You know, I mean, it's it just, it just, but the thing is, Kevin, I adopt, listen, Florida adopted me, right? Uh, the Titans, they adopted me, right? No. I've always been a part of the Braves family. I was a part of the Braves family before I even knew what baseball was. The first team I ever got introduced to was the Braves. My grandfather told me, and I live by it, he said, you root for the Braves, that's it. I said, what about the Yankees? Get out of my house. What? No. So I came up with this notion of it's the Braves or nothing. That's me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I rock with them Braves forever. So I'm sorry, Freddie Free. You know, you have you family, but you are not invited to the barbecue. Do not show up. You do not have an invite. Now, you can buy all the food. We'll eat it, but you cannot show up. So, yes, Kevin, we were just done. This, this is our part of being, and that's another thing, too. You got two different kinds of fans, man. You got a bunch of fair weather, fresh out the pack, Jersey fans. That, no, 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 no. People saw, this is when you know you're a fan. Give me the history. Maddox. Glavin, Smokes, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, David Justice, Terry Pendleton, Otis Nixon. I mean, and it's just it's going on. Bobby Cox. Okay, I got it. You see what I'm saying? Not, not this. Give me the history. Ron Lacuna, how old are you? What? So, sorry, Freddie Freeman. You know what it is when it comes to them A-Town down, uh, Brave. Because the one thing about the city of Atlanta, you might not get a bunch of Hawks fans. <laughs> you got to find the Falcons fans when it comes – and I don't know who Atlanta United. When it comes to the Braves, that's what unites us. Everybody in the ATL and around the city, I mean, around the state, is Braves fans. So, just saying. <laughs> that's take three. We do it each and every day here at uh, this time. Braves tonight out on the West Coast against those Dodgers. And, yes, as we've been talking about, Freddie Freeman uh, going to be in action there tonight. We had some, uh, some, some comments earlier today about, you know, what would the Braves' feelings towards Freddie be? I think player-wise, it'll be just fine. It's the fans that... Maybe one a little inside pitching uh, on Freddie Freeman, but no, I I I think players on the field will be fine. High and tight. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going high. I mean, like high and tight is for a dude that like high and tight is for guys that like go after Ronald Acuna's head, and you know high and tight is for somebody that goes you know chin on uh, you know Austin Riley. That this is I a mean, guy Kevin, that are, signed are you, with are another team noise, for Are you making noises at your holler? You see some, you see some hide inside on Fred. Do you go? Oh, like, uh, you, yeah, I you probably go, will. Oh, you, saw, you know, it's almost like if I think it was on purpose. I mean, yeah, because <laughs> people will overreact to it. I mean, like, oh, do you see? <laughs> trying to buzz the town, sending a message. You should have signed here, oh, Freddie. Oh, but yeah. Now hold on, hold on. If he just like sometimes pitches get away from. You. Sometimes they just get away from. You. 
Watch car it gets away from him. Do Freddy look at him like, well, you know I know you, right? All right, don't start. Dude, does Freddy, is Freddie Freeman charged the mound? Would that be? No, <laughs> he's not going to do that. <laughs> All out, bro. I think, if there, I think if there's one thing we've learned through Freddie's time in Atlanta, he's not charging any mound. No. He's not fighting anybody. No. There are certain guys that want to fight and certain guys that are like, hold me back. Oh, yeah, Freddie Freeman. I think Freddie's like a hold back. Freddie Freeman, are we fighting tonight for real? Yeah. Uh, any minute, Travis Darno will be out here and he'll stand in front of me. It'll be all right. <laughs> that's, I mean, look, I, I don't think there's any bad blood there. No, that's really don't. We make it, listen, we, we create more narratives in the media than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, anything. Oh, you know he don't like him, right? Do we? Did you hear him say that? We like my we like we like mind readers just looking at people on TV. You know, his stomach hurt. Is it? <laughs> like we don't know. So it, it'll be fun. Listen, it's the Braves, it's the Dodgers, just adding more to it because you got Freddie Freeman, who's in the Dodger Blue. I get it. That's enough. Little play ball. Let's get it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we got more to come here on three and out. We are expected to be joined by uh, Brian Buzzsons, uh, played at Valdosta State, former McIntosh County Academy wide receiver, played for the national, won a national championship at VSU, played for one again here in 2021, and now has his sights set on the next level. We'll talk to you about that journey when we come back. This is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. We are efforting Buzz Songs, who's set to join us here in just a, a little bit. Former Valdosta State wide receiver and a former McIntosh County Academy wide receiver as he gets ready for the next level. We're about 10 days away, Ben, from the draft uh, with obviously a lot of questions there for the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, Jermaine Johnson has been, I mean, you, you name it. It's, every day it's a new guy fitting the Falcons there at eight. But the more you sit here, I know you got Marcus Mariota, and maybe you could say at some point you have to start rebuilding. But if you are looking at this season saying, we're not going to compete, which I think is clear based on the moves you've made and what players you don't have, do you try? And I always use the phrase try because people are like, well, just trade. Just make a trade. Like, you have to have somebody that wants what you have. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you try to trade back and gather picks either in this draft just to get more players? Maybe trade back and get picks in next year's draft? Or right now, do you just need players, period? Go ahead and get them at eight as best a player you could possibly get. I think you weigh both options. I think if there's somebody at number eight like a Jermaine Johnson, like a Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe a Kyle Hamilton uh, falls to you. You know, you see a guy, you know, you, uh, three guys you could definitely build around. Kyle Hamilton, in the, you know, in the in – the, uh, you know, uh, leading your secondary, even though he's a young guy, a guy in Kayvon Thibodeau, who to me, you know, Bob, you know, you look at most of uh, reports, he, some people got him the best uh, pass rusher in this draft. He's just Aiden Hutchinson get, you know, gets all the hype. Uh, you know, I think, I think you try to, you try to take a, uh, you try to go after one of those guys. But can we make a good point? We talk about trading back. Look, when Tampa, when uh, when a guy like uh, Tom Brady decides to come back to Tampa, they're gonna be favorites. I mean, you talk about a guy. We talk about a guy like Jameis Winston. Who's scared of him over there in New Orleans? Yeah, I know he was five or two in his first seven games, but he had ten more games to go. Who knows how he would have, you know, what it was, what then it was six, it was nine because it was a uh, sixteen game. But I just think that when you uh when you think about this this Falcons team, Terry Fontenot was brought in for a reason. They trust his expertise. They trust his knowledge. They trust what he what he brings to the table. I just think if you if Kayvon Thibodeau is there at eight. And I've seen crazy things happen. Probably going to be more smoke and mirrors when it's all said and done. You get him. If Kyle Hamilton is there, you get him. But, Kevin, I mean, 
the most intriguing position to draft every year is quarterback. Every single year. Because I think what, what teams are doing is if you get a first round quarterback, they're no longer sitting. So the so the days of, you know, Phillip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, that's over with. Aaron Rodgers didn't play for like three years. Phillip Rivers didn't play for the first two. I think if you got a guy that you say, okay, I know it's all about 2023. I know it's all about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and so on and so forth, right? You know, you're still going to have a Spencer Rattler next year and all these different guys. If I can get a guy this year, get him in my program, show him the ropes. Because we're not going to compete anyway. There, there ain't no rush to get that guy in there. If we're not going to compete, now you're not going to say that out loud. I mean, you know, Arthur Smith is in no position to say we're not competing in 2022. But, Kevin, we know what it is. We can see it. If I can get a guy now that can fit the system, because it's all about the system. If we come into this system and I can, and Marcus Mariota – and the team can show him this is how it is to be a pro. This is what it, you go ahead and get him. Because everybody that's going to get drafted in 2022, if they're not a quarterback, is going to have to contribute. They don't have a lot of guys in free agency. The guys they got have signed a bunch of one-year deals. Lorenzo Carter is the, is the quote, big defensive uh, you know, addition they've added who, who has, who don't even, I don't even think has over, might have a little bit over 12 career sacks in like four years. That's nothing against him. So I do think if you are the Falcons, you, if you can trade back and get more picks, you get him. Got the quarterback you covered or the defensive – and you covered it, you get him. But if the Falcons get a receiver, I mean, while I understand it, I'm like, dude, because that receiver's growth is going to be stunning as well because who's going to show that receiver the ropes? There is nobody on this currently constituted on this roster right now. Cordell Patterson, he's your, he's your most experienced yeah. offensive player not named Kyle Pitts is going into year two. So I do think you every option you got to make sure you you know you you turn over every stone because the thing about the faculty, they need so much because the one thing that's not being talked about enough what do the Falcons do with the offensive line? They need to retool that as well. And we are what? Two years, three years removed from having two guys in the first round uh at the office, you know, at uh at the office of uh offensive line position. Yeah, I look, I if I'm the Falcons, it's every possible I just it was a thought because I'd hate to give up a top ten pick because that's a guy that you would hope, right, is going to play. Because you say, well, if you move back, maybe you pick up a number one from somebody next year, you could have two first round picks. Uh, then you're obviously playing two rookies. I understand uh, staying and take because there's going to be somebody good at uh, at number eight. But I wonder about moving back and trying to pick up kind of. Uh, I think what kind of Jacksonville did a few years ago, not at yeah. number one, but they moved back a couple yeah. of times and ended up. And I think you can see where it kind of set up for them this year. Don't the Jags have like ten or eleven picks? They got a lot in, in this in this and, year's and that's draft. What you want that you want you want you want to build through the draft and. I to me, think, it would cut down on the margin of error a little bit if you have more guys to choose from and say, hey, we got 11 picks. If eight of these guys work out, that's a really, really good draft. If, if, listen, if you got 11 picks, eight guys work out, that is a hell of a draft. I mean, eight of the guys, because I think I think what we don't realize about anything is, okay, if this is working for this team, that means it's not working for that team. If it's working for this player. So the draft is a crapshoot. We don't know who's going to end up what. Like, I give you a name, and I know people like, Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney was number one overall pick. Now, when Jadavion Clowney is healthy, he's very, really, really, really good. Has Jadavion Clowney, Jadavion Clowney been on what? I mean, he started off with Houston. I think he went to Seattle. I think right now, um, I think he's with Cleveland. He's been on a lot of teams, right? There's nothing wrong with Jadavion Clowney. We just looked at what he was athletically and said, oh, that's going to be, dude, he's, he's not going to a place to where he's going to be the most dominant. He's going to a place to where everybody dominates. These are the best players not in college, in the world. So I think that sometimes, Kevin, when we get to think about these draft picks, we don't give them a shot based off if Kyle Hamilton 
big time states I know name. If he goes to Atlanta, that means already in 2022, he's the face as far as like rookies. Well, he is only as good as those other 10 guys around him. And outside of AJ Terrell, it ain't really a lot to go off yeah. of. We still Jarrett, got Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones. We'll see what Lorenzo Carter does, so on and so forth. So I think it's all about fit. Like, I mean, and I hate to say it, you know, Grunk is incredible. Grunk has only caught a ball from one guy, Tom Brady. That matters. And I'm not saying Grunk ain't Grunk. But have you ever seen Grunk without Brunk, without Tom? <laughs> so I just, I just think that sometimes we don't give guys a true chance in Atlanta. <sighs> Man, Maddie, people are going to see this year just how many holes Maddie Ice filled. He filled a lot of them because of how good he was as a player. It didn't show up in the wins column because he don't play defense. He don't tackle people. Like, he don't block. He throws. He tries. To, so, I just think for the for Atlanta, if you know there's going to be a rebuild, you know it is, no matter what Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith says. Well, they can't say it. But they yeah. can't say that. How do you want to look rebuilding? Meaning – if this is going to be a race for uh, easily second, maybe he might be scratching his cross. Because I've heard some words that, you know, Carolina might be the landing spot for Baker Mayfield, <laughs> which, which puts you behind the eight ball again. If he does go there, I just think that if you are Atlanta, you got you to exercise every option because your best offensive but player to, scored one touchdown. Yeah, but I'm year. saying, but to me, if, I mean, outside of tied in and one corner, and, and, and uh, maybe, I mean, Jake and Matthews and at left and tackle. And but maybe I mean, a D tackle the greatest year. Yeah, and, and maybe Jake Matthews. You literally, I mean, everybody's talking about this. You could draft anybody. Yes. Anybody. And when you go into a draft and people say, well, what are the needs? Well, you need a defensive end and, and you could use a running back. Okay, that's different than you literally need everything. Like, I, I, I've <laughs> seen, no, I'm, I'm serious though, Ben. I, yeah. I've seen draft, you know, people do the draft breakdowns and their mock picks and all that, and they say the write up for Atlanta. Atlanta could use. One of it, of everything. If if they take a, a interior lineman, they could use it. If yep. they take a linebacker, they they won't do that. Obviously, at eight. But, Listen, but I mean, when that is your philosophy, when that's not your philosophy, but that is the holes you are trying to fill. Where are my holes? We don't need a lot of special teams help, but everywhere you literally need everything. Why not take as many picks as possible? Oh, yeah. I know giving up the number eight is tough, but if you move back into round one, well, maybe you, get a you, one for yeah. next year and if get you two. For your I mean, advantage. Look, basically, this is what's happening. Okay. All of us who got cars now, you know about the diagnostics, right? The newer your car is, when you get in your car, it'll send your diagnostics to your phone. Terry Fontenot drives uh, Atlanta Falcon. <laughs> That's what he drives. That's what it is. Now, he got in there. <laughs> now, when he pulled up, it looked nice. But when he got in there, he got, what the hell wrong with this car? It's, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff going on. It's leaking so much. It, listen, you can tell what your car is leaking when you drive off. Well, well. I don't know if that's all. I don't know if that's, you know, and a free. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot going on with this Atlanta Falcon right now, as you mentioned, Kevin. Because like I said, they need O-line. They need a running back. They need a receiver, right? They need a DN. They need a linebacker. They need a safety. They need another corner, right? They need a backup quarterback, right? They need a backup. And everything we say, they need a backup for that. Every number one receiver needs to have a good enough number two, either out there with him or if he gets hurt. What happens if Marcus Mariota goes down? Uh-oh. That's what we don't get. What happens if Kyle Pitts get hurt? Uh-oh. Because you always need something more. You don't believe me? Kansas City, they had two of everything. But they also had Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes get hurt, it gets rough. So I, I just think for this Falcons team, like you mentioned, Kevin, it's so many needs, man. 
And Matty Ice, look, we always talk about how much Freddie Freeman his contribution to the to the to uh to the Braves. He didn't mean more to the Braves than freaking Matty Ice meant to the Falcons, man. Cause Matty Ice has been saying, just give me a defense, man. Yeah. And he ain't never had one. So I think now, Kevin, with the Marcus Mariota, that's just a show. Hey, man, we ain't trying to make this thing look too crazy. Marcus yeah. Mariota, established player, been to the league. I get it. Terry Fontenot's driving that 2022 <laughs> Atlanta Falcons got one door on it. No, no, no. This is what it is. <laughs> and the trunk no, no, won't no, open. No, this is what it is. He saw it online. And, and the pictures look really nice. Yeah. What you <laughs> didn't know was somebody let him bar a door. <laughs> To take a picture that with check it. engine then, light's <laughs> been on for about 20,000 miles. Listen, listen, listen. Now, but what he didn't read is all sales are final. Like, you, you <laughs> buy it as is, right? And the thing is, right, it looked good. Matter of fact, he went and purchased that door. I said, man, I want to take a final. He's coming from out of town. I don't want to scare him. But everybody knows you get a used car because, you know, Falcons is used. It's used. You take, you take it. You take it. You take it straight over to another mechanic, cause you know, I can't trust y'all's, cause y'all mechanic gonna do all the right things. I ain't know that battery been it's been been charged for like two days in a row. So I go straight. To, I go listen. I go straight to a dealership, and they put a diagnosis. They go, and when you come in, you need the, one the, everything. No, no, the, guy, the guy that the guy that saw your car is on the phone. So you come in, man. I'm gonna call you back, Terry. Come, come back. <laughs> and he pull out and he pull out a stack of papers. He go, look, man. What you say was wrong with your car? I think it was just leaking some oil. Yeah. He's leaking tight, he wide receivers go, and running backs, everything. You don't want the Falcon, right? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't seen the Falcon in a while. Listen, man. Listen, I'm going to just be straight up with you. Running back, nope. <laughs> receivers, nope. Y'all just got some receivers, right? Yeah, the spark plugs y'all put. <laughs> they already coming loose. Listen, man. Listen. I like that Marcus Mariota you got in there, but, man, yeah. he, got, he, he needs some oil, too. He needs some WD-42. So, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. But we're going to have to work with what we got. We've got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We will talk Georgia football coming up next hour. Graham Coffey will join us, and we'll talk about that Georgia spring game. Also, Gorov Vidak uh, will join us from Battery Power there on SB Nation, and we'll get his thoughts ahead of the big Braves-Dodgers series and the Freddie Freeman reunion, uh, as it were, uh, between the Braves uh, and Freddie coming up in this series. So a lot to digest. The Braves have had a lot of good to talk about, a lot of bad to talk about. Uh, on their team, Dansby Swanson, uh, getting his name mentioned, Ben, and not good companies. Like, he is the second player since 1913 to have, what, three seasons where he has struck out in each of the first 10 games. And I think Dansby leads the majors in strikeouts. Not good. And he's batting like 180 on top of that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could be. I mean, the thing about it, I would look at if I'm a Braves fan, it's like, hey, you're five and six, and some of your starting pitching has not been very good, and a lot of your lineup has not been very good outside of two, three guys. So when that starts to even out, this team could really, really take off. I think they will. Dansby management, obviously, Kevin, I mean, I, I always talk about plate appearance is one thing. Quality plate appearance is everything. I mean, he's going to have to, like, shut his mind off. I mean, it's like a pitcher that can't can't throw strikes. I mean, when you were hitter that you striking out a lot, that means you chasing a lot. And, and, and pitchers know this. I mean, he's going to – because he's so desperate to get a hit, he's going to chase ball, he's going to chase pitches, but – I just think the thing about baseball is it's such a long season. The hardest thing to do is with any baseball player is listen, man. I mean, I'm, I'm down in the dumps right now. I mean, I'm not. I'm not getting it done. I'm in a slump. You don't want to be in a slump. You got to work your way out of it. I mean, Snake looking at Dansby Mansby going, look, come on, we 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 got to work our way out of it. You're, you're gonna play. You know, I'm not gonna sit you because well, Rosario got sat down. Yeah. So I don't want to say he won't, but I just think that. When you think about baseball, is I don't think the, you know, the mental gymnastics that you got to go through game in and game out, play the appearance, play the. Now, do you got your defense to to, to kind of help? Yeah, but 
Your defense ain't, don't got nothing to do with your offense. You're going to get, yeah. what, four or five at best a game. You got to go out there and get it done. I just think, listen, I was still impressed with this Braves team, though, to come out of that Padres series, five, you know, you know, five and six. You know, obviously one got away from him yesterday. You got, you got a nice series with the Dodgers coming up. I just think if you are this Braves team, Kevin, yes, while Ron Lacuna Jr., which I look at the Braves report, I look at the Ron Lacuna Jr. report <laughs> every day to see how close he is. They seem to be finding their stride. They're going to find it because I think once they do, though, the same way we're talking about how these other opposing pitchers are having their way with this lineup, yeah. and they're going to hate to see this lineup if they get going. And the report on Ronald Acuna Jr. is he is set to start a rehab assignment with the Gwinnett Braves, and for just local relevance, uh, the Gwinnett Braves are on the road this week, and they are playing anyone? The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. So, uh, Jacksonville uh, yeah. Jumbo so on Shrimp. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, chance, I think, maybe to see Ronald Acuna down there playing for that's, the, uh, the Gwinnett Strikers. Incredible. Like, like to be able to say, man, that's Ronald Acuna, yeah. And when he go yell, look at it, it's out of there. Maybe, hey, man, maybe you know. worth a trip down there just to watch Absolutely. him see how, the, the full-on report. This is what he looks like. He's coming back. So, but a lot of talk that, hey, if, he, if it goes well at Gwinnett, he could be back maybe by the first part of May DHing uh, at the very least, which, again, if he can hit the ball, we can worry about the defense later. Oh, yeah. I, although the Braves outfield could use a little defensive help, we can worry about that later if you put 13 uh, back in that lineup and add that powerful stick. Uh, to what's going on there with Atlanta. We got so much to get to in the final hours. We mentioned Gaurav Vidak will join us. We'll talk Braves baseball with him. And when we come back, Graham Coffey uh, will join us and we will talk Georgia football uh, and the spring game, how things turned up. Graham Coffey there with Dog Sports. He will join us on the flip side. This is Three and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, also streaming on Facebook. Twitter, and YouTube. Like our YouTube page at ESPN Coastal. Good to have you here, three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're with us. A lot to get to here this hour. Look at the Braves and that reunion with Freddie Freeman as the Dodgers roll up on the schedule. We'll talk with Gaurav Vidak, uh, Battery Power on SB Nation about that coming up in just a little bit. But joining us here from University of Georgia with their spring game with Dog Sports. Graham Coffey uh, joins us here on 3 and Out. Graham, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, we appreciate you coming on. And obviously the spring game, uh, you can read into it, I guess, way too much or not enough. But it seems a lot of folks were attracted by just the fact of what Eric Gilbert was able to do. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a game where he looked line unguardable right um you know nolan smith is a guy that uh we've seen do a really good job in coverage as an outside linebacker and he was faced with a position where it was like i can either hold this guy or give up a touchdown um just the size that he has going across the middle really tough to defend um you know kind of some of the things he did uh, reminded me a little bit of your partner ben there when he was at uh, the university of florida just just being big and imposing. Uh, but the thing I was probably most impressed with from from Eric was the willingness uh, and the ability on the blocking side of things. Uh, he really, really did a good job once I went back and watched the tape in some run situations and some pass protection situations where he was one-on-one with uh, guys like Jalen Carter, who we know are you know, very, very good pass rushers, really, really hard to block one-on-one. And, and he held his own, and I think that's the – probably the biggest indicator that we're going to see him on the field this fall. Graham, how much did a guy like Eric Gilbert really, really need this spring, though? And when you look at everything he's going through from LSU to trying to figure out where he's going to go, being on Georgia's campus last year, but trying to get everything handled in his personal life, 
to see everything he had to deal with in the offseason and, and to put it all aside to show, hey, man, the talent has always been there. Obviously, you would have loved to have seen him out there with Darnell Washington and obviously, you know, uh, and Brock Bowers. But how much did he need this spring and how much how much did he show to potentially have this three-headed monster at tight end come to fall? Yeah, absolutely. I think just uh, routine and normalcy was was a huge thing for him and just, just giving him the opportunity to – to get back into that practice schedule, to to get into that work with the teammates. Uh, you know, when he rejoined the team, uh, he was up around 300 pounds. Uh, you know, he's down 270, 280 now. But uh, there's, you know, what he could be by the time we get to that Oregon game, Labor Day weekend, if he keeps dropping weight and working at the, the rate that he has been, is, is pretty scary, I think, for, for defensive coordinators across the SEC. But, yeah, I, I think just – you know, the, the number one thing with Eric Gilbert that I think all of us care about is just him being a, a happy, healthy, and productive human being. And that structure that comes with spring practice and, and being a member of the football team actively and, you know, being at workouts and, and mealtimes and all of that stuff, uh, I think that's been really good for him and has allowed him to to really kind of become part of that team and, you know, develop some camaraderie with the, the guys there that – that he hadn't had the chance to do before. Graham Coffey joining us here at dogsports.com. Graham, where are we here with the quarterback situation? I know spring game is not the end-all, be-all arbiter of where it looks, but after we have come through spring, where's the uh, the Georgia's uh, mindset, obviously, as it stacks up behind Stetson Bennett? Yeah, I, I think that Carson Beck is a, a clear number two. Um, you know, just what we saw from him on Saturday versus what we saw from him uh, last year's spring game or in the limited uh, snaps that he took in 2021, he looks like a better quarterback. Uh, I was very impressed with his decision-making. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, caveat that he was going against the second-team defense, but I thought when you kind of graded out both of their performances that Beck probably made more consistently good decisions than, than Stetson Bennett did. Uh, you never really saw Beck put the ball into any dangerous spots. And I was impressed with his, his accuracy downfield. There was a, a slot fade that was kind of a, a, a stop fade over on the sideline that he threw from the opposite hash to, to Dominic Blaylock there at the end of the first half, which just – it's a tough throw to make. It's a, it's a timing route. You've got to have some touch on the ball. You've, you've got to, you know, put it in there at the right angle and – and he made some throws like that that, you know, were, I think, a little bit of eyebrow raisers. Uh, the reality is Stetson Bennett, you know, he's still the starting quarterback on this team. Uh, he just won a national title. He was top four in the FBS in passing efficiency, top four in the FBS in yards per attempt. Like, he was a very efficient quarterback for Georgia. I think so with Beck, you have higher if we were ever to see him on the field. Graham, when you think about a guy like Stetson Bennett, though, right? I mean, going into the – I mean, if, if all the accolades you just mentioned, coming off a national championship win, you talk about how efficient he was, you talk about top five in QBR, 30 touchdown passes, did it did it without George Pickens. I mean, dealing with injuries, had it. It was him and an all-freshman, all-world, you know, tied in Brock Bowers. Why, do, why, why is it this Georgia faithful? And maybe I could be speaking out of turn. Why does Georgia faithful think – we would be better off with so much if we had somebody not named Stetson because it's not just 2021. It's what, he's, it's what he meant in 2020 and 2019. I mean, that's a great question. I think it's 
I think we may have lost uh, Graham there. We'll try to get him uh, get him back on the program and uh, and join us. So uh, Ben, that's an interesting thought there for uh, for Georgia fans again. And I guess it's just a matter of you always want the guy that's behind you uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think what'll end up happening is Kevin. And when you talk about a guy like Stetson, I mean, you get a chance to have a guy that. You know, like that's really, 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 really efficient with throwing the football. Really, really efficient with, with us understanding that, you know, dude, I'm I'm more than just I'm more than just like, you know, uh, a starting quarterback. It's what I mean to the team is me making everything go and uh, kind of like him keeping everything keeping everything structured. It, that that second that second team QB is going to be interesting to watch. But Stetson has meant more than just what he's done on the field. I think we have uh, Graham Coffee back here with us. Graham, sorry, I think we lost you there for a minute. Uh, welcome back. Thanks. No, no worries. Um, yeah, to answer Ben's question on, on Stetson Bennett, I think it all mostly comes back to him being a walk-on, right? Uh, I think if he was a, a guy with a different recruiting pedigree or maybe a couple inches taller, we probably wouldn't have some of these conversations because the numbers are good um, and the performance is good. And, you know, he he was able to, to really efficiently lead that offense last year. But the flip side of that is, like, we were talking about a moment ago, you go back and watch some of that film from Saturday. There are some, some spots where he pushes the ball into some windows that you don't want to see your incumbent starter pushing him into, you know, there's, there's some moments where he locks on to the primary receiver at the snap and just throws it kind of regardless of how open they are or not open where you would like to. So I think, I think it's a twofold answer. There's some people that just think Georgia in the modern era, the way they've recruited, should have a, a five-star quarterback or a four-star quarterback under center no matter what. And then I do think there's some people that maybe just look at the decision-making at times and wish that he wouldn't push the ball into coverage over the middle quite as much as he did on Saturday. Graham Coffee joining us here from dogsports.com. And then Graham over to the defensive side where, again, probably uh, there's no way they can live up to what uh, that unit did last year. But who are some guys that you think really had a good spring and are going to fill in their roles uh, really nicely at the end of the day? Yeah, uh, the guy that really popped off the screen for me on Saturday was uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Um, was a, you know, was a, he's a redshirt freshman. We didn't see him last year. He dealt with some injuries at times. Um, but, you know, a, a guy who was a, a three-star defensive tackle when he committed to Georgia and was a, a five-star by the, the end of the, the cycle for his, his class, um, just, man, you're talking about athletic, quick, uh, a 300-pound guy who was lining up on the edge at times and able to speed rush past Broderick Jones at left tackle and, and disrupt things in the backfield and then, you know, lining up in, in the A gap and, and shooting in there and blowing up run plays. Seeing that out of him as as a guy who, you know, really this is his first kind of full spring and has been in the program for, for less than a year now is exciting. Um, I think that he's going to end up being, you know, on that list of, of highly drafted Georgia defensive linemen with, with Davis and Wyatt and all of those guys. But yeah, I think that was the encouraging thing for Georgia fans just to see another guy in the interior line to pair with Jalen Carter. Cause we know he's a stud. And the other spot that I was really looking at is 
of three NFL guys in Dean, Kendall, and uh, Quay Walker. Tresman Marshall had a great day. Um, you know, he did some nice things, some delay blitzes, and when he had a chance to, to rush into the backfield, he was good. He was great running, diagnosing run plays. But where I was really most impressed with him was how he how he performed in pass coverage. Uh, a lot of times, young linebackers, that's kind of where they're going to look the shakiest. Uh, he did a really good job reading Stephen Bennett's eyes in certain situations. Had his hand on hands on two balls that he could have picked off, picked a third pass off, or I'm sorry, picked up picked a uh, interception off of a deflection from uh, David Daniel, the safety. So he just kind of was around the ball and everywhere. Um, Javon Dumas Johnson and, and Jalon Walker were kind of the two inside linebacker names that that I've been hearing the most buzz about in the spring. But uh, Marshall's performance was really really impressive, and I think you know that that should probably ease a little bit of uh, anxiety for Georgia fans knowing that you've got another guy inside linebacker who looks like he can, he can come in and, you know, play the role. I, I think with, with what Georgia had on defense last year, there were so many things they could do schematically uh, to protect the secondary and, and things they could do from a blitz standpoint that just nobody in college football can really do. Um, I don't expect – you know, Marshall and Dumas Johnson and Walker to immediately be able to do those things. But I think that play the position and not be liabilities. And speaking of a guy that decided to come back for a senior season, Nolan Smith, a guy that definitely made something, definitely made a huge impact last year uh, on that, uh, on that uh, historic Georgia defense. What do you see his role being in the fall? You talk about guys like Jalen Carter, who you know is going to be a stud. I mean, different guys around, you know, on that D line. Nolan Smith is a guy. I mean, in some publications, was the number one recruit. Uh, you know, four years ago, decided to come back in senior season to be that headliner. How did he look in the spring? And how does how does he uh, you know how is his role looking to be more you know more intensive? Uh, you know, uh, come to fall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, I I think we're going to basically see him on the field. You know, he's going to be a, a three-down player for Georgia on defense this season. And the the thing that I've heard the most about Nolan Smith this spring is just how he's really stepped into that leadership role with some of the guys who've departed. Um, and you know, you you've got uh, a new offensive, or I'm sorry, you have a new outside linebacker coach at Georgia, and he's been telling people that in practice. Nolan Smith and Robert Beal are getting to the young guys to help them correct mistakes before he can even get to them, which is, which is what you want to see, right? Players leading players instead of coaches having to always kind of come in and correct everything. But, you know, on Saturday we, we saw him get caught in coverage once on that Kendall Milton touchdown where uh, Milton kind of came in that, that halfback seam route out, out of the backfield. But other than that, you, you saw him, a lot of the same things you saw him do last year. You know, he's around the ball. He's relentless with his pass rush. Um, got in the backfield for, for a couple sacks. It's tough to really judge sacks in the spring game, as you know, because these guys aren't aren't allowed to hit the quarterback. But uh, I, I think that he's primed to, to have another great year. But I, I think most importantly for Georgia in 2022 is just going to be that, that leadership and experience that he brings and kind of keeping the standard that was – by all those veterans on the 2021 defense. Graham Coffee, com joining us. And, uh, Graham, you get the news that Amarius Mims coming back to Georgia. You know, late last week he was, you know, dapping it up with Mike Norvell at, uh, at Florida State. A couple days later he's saying, no, I'm not transferring. I'm coming back to Georgia. Uh, how big is that? And what ultimately you think has led him to, to, to come back to Georgia? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's huge for Georgia, right? Like, it's a – what I see it is is kind of a culture win for UGA. Um, that's, you know, he's the most highly recruited offensive tackle in the history of Georgia football, which is saying quite a lot. Um, and he struggled with the de-recruitment phase, which a lot of guys – the flow of things and really, you know, being willing to, to compete and work hard and, and do the things coaches maybe wanted to see him do. And sometimes it's good to, to go and look around and realize that you're in the place that you, you need to be and that you want to be. And I think it'll help him focus and really kind of channel the, the work ethic to, to go behind all the immense physical gifts that he has. But for Georgia, as far as, you know, just how this year shakes out, um, I mean, I think if he really is is in the right mind frame and dedicates himself and works very hard, he he may end up being a guy that's that's in that that first five on the offensive line. If not, he might kind of be that sixth man and sort of play the uh, the Ben Cleveland role that we saw for a while, where he's sort of rotating in and out in, in different situations. But for Georgia, I think it was it was a big win for Kirby Smart to you know keep him without having to basically change, you know, he didn't get any special treatment is what I'm trying to say really is just because of the, the stars behind his name or the, the height and weight on the, the sheet that, that comes with Mims, like no starting role was promised. And I think that will, will probably help Georgia down the line to kind of keep that standard and have those guys that are highly recruited coming into the program and realize, you know, they're going to have to compete for a spot just like the three-star guy does. And, Graham, finally, when you talk about being the end of the spring, obviously you got to see a guy like Eric Gilbert. You get a guy like Mims back on campus. Stats and Bennett is still the clear-cut number one. You got guys like Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith going to be headliners, you know, in the fall. How would you assess this spring with a guy like Kirby Smart, for which they said coming off a national championship or coming off, you know, say a 10-win season, you can't tell the difference in his approach? Yeah, I mean, I think that the 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 kind of player-led program thing that we were talking about earlier, Georgia has been fortunate enough to have some of these guys that, that decided to come back for their senior years. And, you know, guys like Jalen Carter, who are now about to be an upperclassman, those guys have, have really stepped up and, and taken on more of a leadership role. And I think that's huge for Georgia. But I think, you know, uh, it's one of those – kind of things for EGA with Kirby Smart. It's like, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, you know, the approach that he has taken has gotten them to this point, won them a national championship last year. And I think continuing to, to kind of run things like you're, you know, you're, you're trying to get to the top of the mountain instead of acting like you're, you're on the top of the mountain is probably the best way to, to stay there. Um, what you saw out of Georgia on B, on G-Day, at least, for me, you know, and what I expected to see, I, I thought you saw a little bit better-looking football team than I expected to see at this point, um, especially on the offensive side. They were explosive. Uh, there's a lot of guys on the skill side that, that can do some exciting things. So I think they're probably a little bit ahead of schedule for where you might think they would be with what they lost and coming off a national title. But it seems like that uh, there's there's kind of the right mindset in that program right now where – all these guys are watching the 
the, the stars of that 2021 team, you know, go to Indianapolis, have a great combine. They're about to be first-round draft picks in New York in a couple weeks. And I think they want to follow that same path to, to get to the same place. And so that's definitely helped, I think, kind of keep everybody's minds in the right places coming off a national title. Graham Coffey, dogsports.com, our guest here on 3 Not Graham, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Graham Coffey joining us here. Dogs wrapping up spring and, again, looking like another team that's going to be tough to deal with in 2022 coming off the national championship. And sometimes people say, well, it's hard to go back. And it is. But you got a lot of talent, Ben, there in Athens. Yeah, the one thing that uh, uh, Kirby Smart has really, really done outside of building that five-star culture is he stockpiles. I mean, you know, I mean, when you talk about Mims coming back, Kevin, that says a lot because, like I said, listen, we're going to do all we can to get you. We're not going to cater to you after we get you. If you don't want to be a part of this winning program, we're going to wish you the best. He went out there and saw that the grass is a greener on the other side, so he decided to come back. I think it says a lot about Mims. It says even more about Kirby Smart is building in Athens. Yes, different year, same result. If you ain't Alabama, if you ain't Ohio State, maybe Clemson, it's going to be hard to beat them boys Mathis. We got more to come here on this Monday. Gora Vidak will join us in about 15 minutes talking Braves baseballs. It's the Freddie reunion uh, tonight with the Dodgers. It's 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. We'll talk with the Gora Vidak. Battery power on SB Nation. Talk some Braves baseball as the Freddie reunion tour sets up tonight for the Braves as they take on the Dodgers. Coming off a 2-2 two and two series with San Diego would be nothing better than to take two out of three from the Dodgers, but it's Waskari Noah against Clayton Kershaw coming up a little bit later tonight. Ben, we're almost uh, 10 days, we are 10 days away from the draft as, uh, again, teams making their final preps. And, again, the Falcons, we talked a little bit about them. The Jags, you've seen a little bit less movement uh, in talks there. A lot of people think it's locked in. Write it in marker uh, Aiden Hutchinson. We've seen that really for weeks now, uh, but I'm trying to think back the last few years in the draft how much when it's been a guy that's going to be number one outside of Trevor Lawrence, which seemed to be pretty locked in, how often a guy that's been the pick, the pick, the pick, the pick, the pick for so long actually when it's not a quarterback still comes to be true. It's very, it's seldom. It's seldom, Kevin, because you know you're like I know, right? Once, if somebody keeps saying the same name over and over and over and over and over and over again, people are going to start taking interest. And this is the age of this is the age of social media, aka mock drafts, aka opinions, aka two hundred and seventy characters, and people are gonna break it down. And, and certain people they know what they say holds weight. Now, Aiden Hutchinson, look, I think it's gonna be the when I say the clear cut, that means that you know is he the best pick? I don't know. Is he the best player? I don't know. But I think when you look at what Jacksonville needs, once again, real similar to an Atlanta team, they need they address some things in the offseason with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. You know, they're going to get a healthy uh, Travis Etienne this year. They're going to get stable, you know, uh, front – well, they're going to get a stable, uh, you know, head coach, Doug Peterson. What did, you add a guy like Aiden Hutchinson to go along with it with a Josh Allen because Clavon Chason, I mean, he's, what, going to year three. You know, he hasn't really been the guy they, they covered him to be coming out of uh, coming out of LSU, kind of like a tweener. You know, undersized to be like an outside linebacker slash defensive end and not really able to get past rush or stop the run. Aiden Hudgens is going to have a lot on his shoulders. But I think now, Kevin, I always say this. The three main things you need, quarterback first, guys that chase them second, and then a left tackle. Because if you look at how much, uh, you know, you look at how much uh, these defensive ends are valued, a guy like Aiden Hudson, man, he came on strong in his senior year, definitely, definitely this year. If he can go out there and have, 
you know, double-digit sacks, which is going to be the barometer for a first, first overall big, Kevin. I mean, we'll, you know, I think he'll be just fine. But I, like I said, it's not Aiden Hutchinson's fault. I mean, I remember when, what, 2006? Mario Williams. What, North Carolina State? He's going to be number one overall pick. What, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 290? Reggie Bush, number two. And V.Y. the legend, number three. So, and like I said, Kevin, for every player that pans out, you got a bunch of players that don't. So, if Aiden Hutchinson, and I'm not calling this, by the way, if he does go number one overall and he doesn't become a 100-sack guy, <laughs> you know, all first-team all-pro, people call people a bust. No, man. Sometimes I could just be a quality football player. Like, everybody's not going to be, quote, the face of the league. I just think that if a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, he got the size, he got the, he got the ability, he got the gifts, he got the brand, he got the look, hopefully, he'll, hopefully he'll be the pick come uh, you know come come next Thursday. Never, I should never trust my my gut feelings <laughs> on these things. I just feel like it's not, it's not going to be him. If it's not. Like, right? I feel like this is not, not an okey-doke, but it's like, Well, who hey, do you think it's hey, going to be if it's not him? They're gonna be Javon Walker. They're gonna be. You think it's gonna be? I mean, I Evan think. Neal? I, I think. I think they. If it's not him, it will be Travon Walker or Evan. Because to me, I think that would be the ultimate okie doke. Because you know, people. I mean, if you don't want to trade the pick, you say, "Hey, we're going Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson," and yeah. people stop worrying about your pick. Yeah. And it's like, okay, number two, and maybe they're like, "Well, we feel pretty good. We're going to get uh, you know Evan Neal." Do and we fall like, for this? Tra- do we fall? Do we fall? And we're taking Do we Neal. fall for this trap every year with the draft? Like, no, but I mean, I, I, to me, I still think that would be a correct pick. If you're like, you got to get after the quarterback. How about you have a number one offensive lineman that's going to come in and play tackle to protect your number one quarterback? I would not have a problem with it. To me, if you go Aiden Hutchinson, you're like, well, we hope he could turn into a guy that's, I mean, you've said this. He better be a, a direct impact. Like, we've had guys on the show, 9-10 sack guy, you're number one. Well, Easier said than done. I remember a number one pick for the Falcons coming out of Clemson. Had a lot on the tape. And one year he did lead the league in sacks. The next year it took six games for him to get the first sack. And so very inconsistent. So I think if you're Jacksonville, to me, I'm going with the known commodity to protect my quarterback. That, that's, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I, that, but, again, that's my gut telling me that the Jags are saying defense, 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 and they have no reason to really okey-doke other than to kind of mess up some other people's thinking in a draft that, hey, Aiden Hutchinson's going to be gone. We'll start thinking of the draft. Oh, nope, okey-doke it out. And then maybe you create some chaos below you in the, in the draft because certain guys are now, or he's now available when a lot of people thought maybe he wouldn't be. So who knows? I know we keep hearing it. I just, my gut tells me they're going to go a different direction. I, 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 based on nothing, but yeah. other than my well, gut. Well, no, 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 no. Like, okay, you know. If BJ, if, BJ, if BJ was here, he'll go. Oh, look at the number. The number. The numbers tell the story. The numbers tell part of the story. The eye test has to matter, right? Aiden Hutchinson was he impressive? Yeah. Does he? Does he? Does he have the prototypical size? Yeah. Does he have the explosiveness? Yeah. When people start saying, "Yeah," but I said, "Okay, now let's get to the part of the conversation we don't like. Let's get to the butt part." But against elite competition, yeah, like Georgia, what happened? Well, you know, that's kind of matter. Bit, yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens, Kevin. But like I said, the number one overall pick, it should be you say his name like like my like Miles Garrett. He wasn't yeah. that good. Have you seen Miles Garrett since he's yeah. been in Cleveland? And and I and I just the SEC, oh, yeah. the SEC can't be the barometer. I'm not saying yeah. that the Bosa brothers and Chase Young, I get that part, but we'll see, Kevin. He's probably gonna be the pick overall. Ten days out. <laughs> we'll see what the, ja- the Jags decide to do. We've got more to come. Gorov Vidak joins us. Battery power on SB Nation, talking Braves baseball next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, Braves and Dodgers on the West Coast. The big 
Freddie Freeman uh, reunion here tonight. Joining us here on the program to talk about that and much more. Braves 5 and 6 here in the early going. Gaurav Vidak from SB Nation and Battery Power. Joining us here. Gaurav, welcome, man. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How's everyone doing on your side? Hey, man, we're doing fantastic for all the uh, for all the bad uh, that has been with this Braves team. There's been a lot of good as well. Before we get to that, talk about tonight. Is this actually, a, Ben and I talked about this earlier, is this actually a good time for this to happen? Rather than the first Braves-Dodgers matchup to be in Atlanta, is this the salve to the wound for all the people who are mad at that Freddie Freeman uh, being on the Dodgers where it's like, look, here it is. You get to see it. He'll be in Atlanta two months from now. Get over it. I absolutely love that line of thinking. Just get just get it out of the way. Let everyone talk about it on Twitter, on Facebook. Just get it out of the way, and let's let's focus on baseball the rest of the the rest of the, the season. I, I I'm 100% for it. It's over on the West Coast. Everyone will get their get their hot takes out the way, and we can really focus on what's the important thing, and that's the game at hand. And go on, when you think about a guy like Freddie Freeman, I mean, we act as if Freddie Freeman didn't give the Braves 12 years, the MVP, a World Series. I get the fact that you didn't want to see uh, Freddie Freeman leave, but this this is just business as usual, and you did get a guy in Matt Olsen who was lighting it up right now. Right now, it's, it's, it's essentially everybody wins. Freeman gets to go back home. Like you said, he had a fantastic career with Atlanta. He brought us a title. Couldn't be happier with how he was as a professional, representing the city, representing where I grew up from. And then you bring in someone like Matt Olson, who's leading the league, leading the league in essentially everything right now. He's letting his his bat do the talking. He doesn't want to be in the limelight. He's producing uh, right now, as is. Everybody's happy, and let's let's see if we can continue that way. It's going to hurt, you know, when the Dodgers come into Atlanta, and we and I and I do see Freeman in a in a Dodger uniform because I've been covering him back since he was in you know Rome, and so seeing him in a Dodger uniform is going to be really really weird for me. But you know. It's, it's, it's worked out for everybody. It seems like everyone involved on, on that level is happy, and it's really just, you know, fan, fan expectations that are, that are kind of getting in the way of things. But as is, it seems, like I said, everyone's happy. Everyone's happy on the team they are now, and let's see how the season plays out. Gaurav Vidak joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Gaurav, obviously, Matt Olson has been great, and uh, the, the middle portion of the lineup has been good. But What's it going to take for the rest of these guys to, to kind of snap out of it? Dansby's been horrendous uh, at the plate. Uh, Rosario's not been good. Alex Dickerson, I believe, is batting under 100. I mean, how do you get some of those guys back on track where we're coming up on two weeks into the season and some of these guys aren't even batting 100? Yeah, that's, a, that's really the tough part. What's going to help is definitely the return of Ronald, uh, Ronald Acuna, who's going to be back doing rehab games, uh, I believe, tomorrow with Triple A Gwinnett. So his return to the lineup is going to have a massive change. It's going to shift around a whole lot. So that's certainly going to help. But when it comes down to it, Dansby has to produce. Eddie Rosario have to have to produce. Those are two people that are going to be in the lineup pretty much the entire season, and the Braves are counting on him. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, at elite levels, but they need to produce more towards their career, their career norms than they aren't doing. So uh, it's, it's tough because really what's, with, with Alex Dickerson, you look at more of his advanced stats and you think, okay, he's getting really, really unlucky right now. And you think that's going to, by the law of averages, even out over time. But you look at Dansby Swanson, he's striking out almost 50%. And that's not who Dansby is. He's pressing right now. He's trying to figure things out. He's trying not to, you know, be that void in the lineup. But things have to change. I don't know if that means that maybe he needs some time off to, to kind of slow things down and stop pressing. Uh, but, but, you know, as is, 
that the the bottom third is, is it's not helping. You're, you're seeing multiple opportunities with Duvall kind of in the middle of the lineup, getting on base and then staying on base to end the to end innings. So as is, yeah, these guys have to produce more to their career norms. I don't know exactly what's causing them to. Uh, but when it comes to I, – I, I'm not really hesitant about Rosario. You think those numbers are going to normalize. But the Dansby Swans to strikeout rates are very, very concerning right now. When you think about this, when you think about, uh, you know, uh, this lineup as a whole, I mean, you know, uh, this offense is really, really hot and cold. When they win a game, you know, they, they can give you 5, 10, you know, 12 runs. When they lose, they be struggling to get to get runs. What do you, what do you attribute that to? I mean, obviously we go into, you know, 12 or 11, 12 games into the season. You talk about Rosario. You talk about uh, Swanson. What is it going to take to just get this entire lineup going? Because once they do, they're going to be one of the most fiercest, if not the most fiercest in the league. Absolutely. Like, just like last year, it should be a top, you know, top three, top four offense in all the league. These guys just have to get it together. They have to start contributing. When, when you can only rely on runs, you know, every couple of innings because it's the top half of your order, it's just not going to happen. We're, ha- we're having those big breakout games when you have, you know, two, three run home runs, when you have multiple, multiple solo shots in one game. We're not seeing, we're not seeing the Braves put together, you know, significant, huge innings throughout a game, and that's why we're winning, you know, 12-1, 12-2. Uh, it's just you, we need the bottom, the bottom half of the lineup to produce more. The, the, the um, production with runners in scoring position has to improve. And like I said, it, 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 it really comes down to Danby and, and Eddie. They need, to get, they need to get more online or more in line with how they normally produce because when you plug in Acuna, you most likely drop, you know, Ozuna goes to DH, Acuna's out in the field, Dickerson goes more towards uh, a bench bat, and he'd be a highly, highly sought-after bench bat. That's a great he, – he's being very lucky right now. He should produce at a very good level. But when you add in Acuna, that lineup does get a lot more lengthy. We just need Rosario, Dansby. They have to get their act together. Dansby cannot be striking out at almost 45% of the of at-bats because not only is he not producing – He's not even moving runners over. He's not doing anything. So, really, the the bottom of the lineup is a huge void, and those two have to turn things around for us to get a more consistent approach at the plate and and more in line with what we expect from this Braves offense. Gaurav Vidak joining us here, Battery Power on SB Nation, uh, talking some Braves baseball here. And, and Gaurav, I know a couple of guys that you've seen come through the Braves organization rather quickly uh, is Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider. And, and last night they both – Pitched pretty good. I, I know uh, you look at Elder's line and go, well, that wasn't all that great, but pitched himself out of trouble, something uh, we've seen a lot of Braves pitchers in the past that have come up, get their chance, and that turns into a four or five run inning, was able to get out of it. How do you look at those two guys? Uh, are they are they here to stay, given early struggles from Inoa? We'll see how he bounces back tonight. I mean, what's your early take on these two guys that were in A ball, what, just a season ago? Absolutely. Uh I think when you see with Elder, uh, what happened yesterday is not normal for him. He will have bout, like he, he's not a huge bad control guy. So you don't expect him to have those walks and hit by pitches that he had yesterday. But his ability to work out of those situations is exactly what you've seen through his career at Texas and then in the minor leagues. He is a guy that he's great, great pitch ability. He knows how to pitch. He's not just a thrower. And I don't see him going down anytime soon. I, I could see a, a very lengthy career. He's a, a kind of a number four starter that puts in, you know, 160, 180 innings, close to a, a 3.7 to 4 ERA, you know, incredibly valuable for a team. Spencer Strider 
it really depends on what role they want to go in. Uh, right now, he's got two elite pitches with his fastball and his slider. They are absolutely elite. They are MLB ready. He can be an elite reliever as is. If they want to move him to uh, a more uh, more traditional starting pitching role, he has that changeup, but it's not quite there yet. And you want to have that third pitch to be a more complete starting pitcher. So it really depends on how the Braves want to go through this season. Uh, if Kyle Wright is as strong as he is and maintains this level of play, if Ian Anderson continues to play at the level he is from the last start, and if Bryce Elder continues to do what he normally does, then you very well could see Strider staying in the bullpen right now, and you get an, an even more elite bullpen arm to, to shore up the, the, the bullpen, which would absolutely be ridiculous. I mean, speaking of that bullpen, I mean, obviously going into this season, I mean, you look at the, you look at the uh, moves that, you know, Alex Anthopoulos did. I mean, I know that Jansen is still, you know, still relatively new. I mean, to this Braves team, even though he talked about how, you know, he grew out. I, I know that I know that Olsen is a, is a Atlanta uh, faithful, I mean, Atlanta native. He said that growing up, you know, being from Carousel, you know, a guy like Andrew Jones, he grew up a Braves fan as well. So you got two guys that grew up a Braves fan, even though they total different sides of the world. Talk about what you like from Jansen. And how do you see him getting more and more stronger for this bullpen down the stretch? The more he gets comfortable in a Braves uniform, the only the, the only thing that's better for the Braves itself. He's a he's an elite he's an elite closer for a very long time. His numbers from last year were a big step up from the year before. He's a mainly two-pitch pitcher. He should the, – the seventh, the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings for any game with the Braves have a lead, they should win. And that is just preposterous to even think about. To have that kind of depth and those kind of elite arms in the back end, to be able to make a claim like that is just ridiculous. So I, I could, you know, as, as, the, as the season progresses and we get a few more tighter games and this Braves offense starts to contribute a little more because – you don't you don't expect Rosario to hit you know sub 100. You don't expect Dansby to strike out 40. percent These numbers are going to improve, and then you add in Ronald Acuna, you have an offense that's going to be scoring potentially four to five and a half runs per game. A starting four, a starting four rotation that should keep you under three runs a game, and then a bullpen that, by all accounts, at any any given day could put together four to five scoreless innings. So like. It, it, the amount of depth in the bullpen itself cannot be understated. This this team is built to win over time, and while it may not be showing right now, by the end of the season, we should still be talking about a, a Braves that are in first place, uh, talking about another division title and a run towards a potential another World Series. Gorov Vidak joining us here, Battery Power on SB Nation, and finally, Gorov. Uh, obviously, this is going to be an emotional series for the Braves going up against Freddie Freeman. To me, also a very early. Very early uh, litmus test to kind of what your team looks like stacked up against the Dodgers, who many people project are going to be right there with you uh, for the, uh, the, the the potential World Series representation. What are you looking for out of these n- next three games? Are you looking for two and one? Is it just be competitive? What What are you looking for here against the Dodgers uh, these next three days? I, you know always go in with wanting to wanting a sweep but really since it's so early like you said it's a great matchup these are two these are the two best teams in the league just just bar none i i can't really think of any other team that comes close to the overall structure and the way these two teams are built uh if you can go into la and take two on the road against that team that's a win that's a huge win no matter what happened in san diego despite losing 2-1 last night and splitting that series that 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 west coast trip automatically becomes successful because that Dodgers team is stacked 
they're the just the, the length of their lineup one through nine and then including their bench their bench their bench has people has players that are starting caliber right so if you can go into LA to take two of three with the added incentive of Kenley returning to LA with Freddie returning against the team that he grew up you know playing for that's an extremely successful series. And the main thing that I'm looking for is I want to see Eddie Rosario and Dancy Swanson start to turn things around, start to make more contact. You don't have to hit. Just show that you're, that you're getting things together because that, it's a process that takes time. Just show that these results are starting to come in the form of hard contact. I think that's really the biggest thing that you could ask for. Gaurav Vidak joining us here on 3 and Out. Gaurav, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys having me on. Gaurav Vidak joining us here on 3 and Out Braves and Dodgers. Coming up tonight, going to be a lot of emotions in the building. Kenley Jansen, Freddie Freeman going up against their former teams. we got more to come. It's 3 and Out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. On this Monday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Coming up later tonight, Braves and Dodgers. A lot of people looking forward to this one, not only because the two teams are excellent, but because Freddie Freeman, Kenley Jansen going up against their old teams. Of course, you'll have the Matt Olson. Freddie Freeman, they'll get to chat with each other if one of them gets on. Of course, Dansby, spring training going, oh, there's his locker. He's got a lot of love for Freddie Freeman. So we'll see. Like I said, we'll see what happens. I uh, hear tonight I'm looking forward to. we got about 30 seconds. Man. Jansen, Freddie Free, listen, bump all that. Rosario, Dansby Mans, get a hit. <laughs> just, get on, man. just, get a, just do something. <laughs> just do something at the end of the day. It will make us happy. It'll be Waskar and Noah against Clayton, Clayton Kershaw. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Got, a, got an uphill climb right there just off the pitching matchup. We'll see what the Braves can do. We'll talk about it tomorrow here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com.